Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Time now for the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. And Ian Happ. Oh, on the big backswing. Happ got Contreras in the helmet. The mask knocked away. And another message sent. Buzzed the tower once. Got him flushed the second time. And now let's see if the umpires issue warnings after Happ knocked Contreras from the game. Well, you, you see that Happ knew exactly what was going on, too. Didn't say a word. Took his bag. Caught him right in the hip. If you're going to get him, that's exactly where you get him. Did the job the right way. They throw him out. Wow. They Come just on. Michael is out of the game. you got to be kidding me. Have a little feel for baseball. Have a little feel for the game. That's awful. Let's get nasty here on a Friday afternoon. It's the Fast Lane. Jamie Rivers here. Alex Ferrario sticking around for a couple of hours with us. And the Brad Thompson in studio. Look at that. What's going on, boys? Been too long since I've been in here. I feel like I just was listening to you. Oh, I feel like uh, didn't see that coming (laughs) last night. There was a lot going on in that ball game, and that was a wild one, an emotional one, and I got a little... Got a little upset yeah. during that ball game. Didn't see it going down the way that it ended up going down. As I told you guys a little bit earlier, uh, it was also it was a simulcast. So apparently it was going on. It was uh, on MLB Network, that game as well. Now, my take on that could have been a very Homer take, if you will. A little bit. On That's the fine. entire thing, but a passionate one nonetheless. But boy, I woke up to a lot of different messages this morning, and most of them told me to go blank myself, hang myself, or do something to Jeez. myself. And it was a lot today, but fans are passionate on both sides of the map. Either way, an ugly start to the ballgame. 14 pitches for Miles Michaelis. In 14 pitches, you lose a catcher, you lose your pitcher, and essentially you lose the ballgame. And you lost your manager. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You lose Ollie. Watching from home, I thought that BT blackout rage was coming through. I, I I had one of the a little bit. You I had, had to start to twitch little, a little bit. Where it was you know, I started like grasping things uh-huh. tightly, and then I do like the little <laughs> yeah. so, oh, don't say that. Well, you can say anything on air once. You can say anything <laughs> once. But I didn't want to say any of those things. But like, that's not that's not how that was supposed to go down. Because we had just gotten into talking about this with Miles Michaelis. He had first inning issues anyhow throughout the season. ERA north of seven. I think it was like 16 of his earned runs this year have been in the first inning. And then he looks like pinpoints. First two batters, boom, 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 putting the ball where he wants to. And then you have the backswing by Ian Happ, which obviously... You're not trying to do. Ian Happ is not trying. He's he, They didn't sit down beforehand. But like, guys, got an idea to get Contreras out of the game. Okay? <laughs> guys hitting like 450 in the month. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go with a heavy swing. I'm going to catch him. Obviously, not trying to do that. But does hit him. Miles Michaelis sticks up for his guy. Whether you believe in that or not, I tend to. 
obviously. Um, it went down in 14 pitches. I mean, it went down pretty quickly. So I got questions. Okay, good. I, and I've got so many different answers. That's I the know. Thing. There are a thousand ways to look at how everything went down. Okay, so I'm watching that last night, and one right away, I knew it wasn't on purpose to hit Contreras. Of course. Contreras. And, and, I mean, they're former teammates, and it's just it's not going down like that. However, my question is, and I'm all for plunking a batter. I know you are, buddy. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, no problem. Stick it right between the shoulder blades is fine with me. The mantra. The old Roger Dorn. Yeah. It, all that's fine. The soul taker is what they call that one when you can't breathe. <laughs> I just didn't understand why. Like, it, I get your catcher yeah. got hurt, but it wasn't on purpose. Nope. Then, you know, you come in high and tight with the next pitch, miss your mark. Yeah. Then you come and get the meat on the second one. Right, which boy, uh, there are like a thousand things to break down with it within all of yeah. these. One of them is you missed them the first time. Does that right? piss you off so even more? Go, well, yeah, and then do you go back to the well? Because I, I was talking to I was talking to some of the Cubs guys after the game and say, hey, do you think that he gets ejected if he hits him with the first one? And they're like, no, I don't think so. I'm like, I don't either. I, and who knows? Like the umpires might get together. Is that that's the warning thing. shot? Uh, that's their warning from the, them if you hit them? It's like you had the, yes, I think so. Like I think you they would have overlooked it. Yeah, you get them and then it's like, okay. Well, the, the way that Hap, the way that Hap reacted, again, it, it's, he knew that was coming. Like, yeah, but why? Like, why do you plunk a guy for accidentally? Because it's a one for one. It's a one for one. That's the thing. So so here's, here's the difference for me. It's not always about intent. Okay, intent me it means more. If you try to intend to hit somebody in the head, well, you should be out of a game. Or yeah. somebody on the other side should try to go kill you. Like that's basically when I say that I don't need. No, I understand what you mean. Say it lovingly. Mean, have yeah. the intent to. No disclaimer want to needed go, here in the fast lane. Great, you know go that. kill somebody. Uh, and when I say that again, never mind. You know what I mean. Uh, but <laughs> it's it's not about the intent in the situation. It's about the result of the situation. The result of the situation is after 14 pitches, you're down a catcher. Like he he is out of the game for the rest of it. He's bleeding from his head, and he's a guy that has been an impact for all the problems that he's had behind the plate and all the storylines that have been there. He's one of the best bats in the game in the second half. So you're losing that guy. It's not about the intent. It's about the the result of what, in fact, happened. And one thing that, honestly, with this Cardinal team, I've been disappointed in throughout the season, they've shown very little fight for each other. Like, you haven't seen – you've seen some terrible times. Oh, yeah. and you have seen some times yeah. where you're just thinking, boy – they could use a little mix-up right here, like do a little something, and you just haven't seen it. Miles Michaelis took it into his own hands there to at least have his guys back and to, to be like, hey, this one, that's for that. Like, that's why that is. Ian Happ handled it like a freaking pro. Well, he yeah, you everything. said he, he knew it was coming. And he did, but he did everything like a pro. The head he nod, apologized yeah. to Contreras. Contreras gave him a hug on the way out. It, the way that he took the pitch, like he was good to go. But in my opinion, none of this... None of this, and it didn't escalate any further. After this, after everything, everybody yeah, I was thought it was going to go off the rails. I did too, and I really thought that the umpires, the way that they handled it, was going to make it get that way. Because remember, when Miles Michaelis got tossed out, and he's arguing, that's when the Cubs uh, dugout starts chirping at him, and then that's when Jack Flaherty comes up and starts chirping. And, and, and like, here's the thing with that, from, from the Cubs standpoint, I get it. Like, your guy just got hit. You look at it the same way. Say Ian Happ just got it. Just it was a backswing, dude. He didn't do it on purpose. But you're sitting there laughing at Michaelis for, for yelling. You got Stroman over there laughing and, and stuff. You've got Contreras bleeding from his head in the <laughs> yeah. other dugout. Like so so credit to Michaelis and credit to Flaherty for stepping up. And I really thought it was gonna escalate. And here's the thing with it. 
if you believe that someone was hit on purpose, if you're the umpiring crew and you get together and that's exactly what they did, and it was the crew chief Lance Barksdale uh, that uh, that said, yeah, like this is this is the way that we believe it went down. You're well within your rights to throw the player out of the game. Like they did what they were able to do, but it's not your only option. Yeah, like that's the thing. Do you think you they can... were pissed off because they missed the warning too? Like the ump feels like, damn it. Mm-hmm. Because he should have warned Michaelis after the high and tight. Well, see, I think after the high and tight, you can actually get away with the high and tight because you heard Miles Michaelis as diplomatically afterwards as possible. <laughs> he was saying, hey, I can go to my locker and I can show you the scouting report. You got to pitch in on Ian Happ. Anybody, you go look at some heat maps. You got to get in there yeah. a little bit. Can't let him get extended. I think after the long delay with the injury, you could actually get away with missing him there. The problem was doubling back up. And here's the thing about baseball. And we've talked about this plenty of times in the past, Jamie. You know this. Um, baseball players have long memories, right? So you might hit somebody two years later for something that ended up happening. Like, that's just kind of part of it. It's like, well, you're watching a game, you're like, what the hell was that? You guys hold grudges far too long. Big time. Big yeah. time. More than hockey players? Oh, well, yeah, we, you, we tend to do it, like, in the moment quickly. Oh. Although there has been some times where it's leaked into the next season. Yeah. yeah. Yes, but that's the thing. Like, in, in, in a situation like that, hindsight being 2020 now, like, you look at it and say, okay, well, maybe... If you really wanted to get him, maybe get him the next at bat, or maybe get him three later, or maybe get him tomorrow. Like if if you really wanted to do it in the spot, sometimes you you do have to use the mind a little bit. But I do think that the umpires also could have had a little bit more feel with that and looked at it and say, okay, their catcher's gone. They're upset about that. This guy just got hit in the hip and he's walking to first base. No harm, no foul. We're good to go. But that is a full-on, like, homer look at it. Because if things were flipped, how would I feel if, in fact, everything went the other way? Right? That they lost their catcher. I have a feeling you'd be honest about it. I really do. I have a feeling you'd be like, you know what? This is kind of what it is. I think I would, too. Yeah, I do. But I don't know, Jamie. That's the hard part. (laughs) I'm not sure. So it was uh, was eventful, nonetheless. Uh, The one thing... The one thing that had I had a chance to go back and have my initial reactions, again, they're going to sound a lot like they sounded there. I was upset in the moment. I was upset for the team, upset for Miles Michaelis, and believe that there were other ways to go. But here's one of the biggest issues, I I believe, with Major League Baseball. While the umpires do have options, they have the option to kick them out, which which they did. They have the option to issue warnings. You can issue warnings to both clubs. They have the option. You can just watch the game and let it keep going. You have these options. But I believe that Major League Baseball has taken these options off the plate for some of these umpires where common sense isn't so common anymore where it's like hey if you see anything anything at all that might escalate just just get rid of them throw it over with so if if i had a chance to explain it again real time maybe not real time maybe like the next half inning uh maybe (laughs) it would be one where it's like hey look these guys are doing the best they can we got into that a little bit later being an umpire is a hard job and lance barksdale's been doing it forever and he he was the crew chief on it it was ryan addington was behind the plate but and Adetim was the guy that gave him the heave ho, but you know who it was coming too. from. Oh, of course. Well, was, I thought that money. was a little much. Oh yeah, and like, then, you don't have to blow a hip flexor by throwing a guy out. Well, how about that when Ollie gets called out? It's a Will Little time for explanation. Yeah. I, I guess his name is over there. It's like, <laughs> no, you're gone too. Beat it, everybody. It's on MLB Network. But you got to make it big. It is. It is a difficult. Yeah, it's nice to know beforehand. Um, <laughs> but it, it's it's a difficult job, right? And it's a hard thing to play peacekeeper. And to their credit, afterwards, it didn't escalate. So maybe they de-escalated a situation in the first inning. I just feel like it could have been handled better. All right, we're going to get into more Cubs-Cardinals from last night. Maybe break down a few things. Also want to get BT's take on 
Some Nolan Arenado trade rumors. I got heated yesterday about all that. I want to get BT's take on that next here in the Fastlane on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fastlane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. So basically what I've heard for several days now, when I first first heard it, I was like, no way. Um, And then you keep hearing it, you keep hearing it, so you poke around. And basically they've had, you know, the Dodgers have reached out. Uh, They've had talks. The Dodgers know what the the Cardinals would want in this kind of scenario. But the fact is, as I wrote in the story, that the Cardinals don't have to trade Nolan Arenado. He's under contract for a while. He remains, you know, one of the best players in baseball. But the Dodgers have been enamored by him for years, um, going back to his Rockies days. They wanted him uh, when he was about to be a free agent there before he signed his extension. They wanted him when he asked out of Colorado. Colorado did not want to trade him to Los Angeles. This has been for a, a long time. So as it stands right now, I was told uh, yesterday, actually, that it seems that the Cardinals are, you know, have sort of closed the door on this. But they did have talks. Welcome back to the Fastlane here on 101 ESPN. Jamie Rivers here driving the bus today. Our guy Anthony's got the day off. Alex Ferrario sticking around with us. And our guy BT in studio today. Uh, BT, a lot of, um, look, a lot of rumors go swirling around at deadline time. For and sure. Especially around a team that has underperformed. And it looks like, not they're having a, a wholesale or a fire sale, but they're going to they're gonna be making some trades. There's some things that are bolted down. Uh-huh. But other than that, yes. So is Nolan Arenado bolted down? Uh, no, I don't think too many things should be bolted down, okay. to be totally honest at, at this point. Now, that being said, I don't think Nolan Arenado is going anywhere, nor should he. But here's the thing. Like, right now, where you are as an organization, you should be taking calls from everybody. And you listen to the way that that was said there, is that the Dodgers reached out. Of course the Dodgers reached out because they wanted him before. Just like they said, it didn't say that the Cardinals are actively engaging the Dodgers in conversation. There is a difference. So, okay, so that's where I got heated yesterday. She called me. Why are you mad at me? That's right. Or whatever your scenario is. You know what, Brad? That was pretty understandable. I think so. Uh, thank you for being relatable. What are you doing? But, um, I didn't do it. My my take yesterday <laughs> on it answer. was that the same thing. Is the reporter giving out factual information, but without information behind it. So basically saying, hey, the, the Dodgers are in talks with the Cardinals. Well, what define that. Sure, sure. And, like, and do you know what I'm saying? No, you're And that's where right. I get pissed off is like, the, all of a sudden it, it sounds like Mosellock is shopping Arnado when I don't believe that to be true. Jamie, so, you are so right. And Janet, I, I, God, I love hearing your voice. It's just different <laughs> studio quality, having these headphones on. You just hear it. Just in the heart. Um, no, I, I totally agree with you. Look, again, I think that you should be answering every phone call on every player right now. Because if there is a deal out there, if somebody is crazy enough, that's why like, I was really surprised. Maybe surprised the wrong word because the, the Angels have done things a little bit differently. But if you would have gotten you would have gotten a monumental haul for Shohei Otani, like, you have to think about that. Like, It's a game-changing type thing. If you are offered up a game-changer for the first, foreseeable future deal for Nolan Arnauto, you have to at least think about that. You're not actively shopping it, but when someone's coming to you with a need that they want, you know, something that they want, 
you uh, your job is to listen as a member of the front office. But I don't believe that he's going anywhere. I thought it was interesting uh, that his agent uh, didn't re- really talk about the piece at all. But he said that the fact that he would only use his no trade for the Dodgers was not correct or incorrect, whatever yeah. the yeah. way that he put it. Yeah. That didn't help. No, that really <laughs> muddied the waters, too. Then the, the agent's got to go. He's got to go back to social media to clarify his of blunder. Course. Yeah, of course. Gasoline happens, on that fire. Right? It happens. But, uh, no, I don't think that he's going anywhere. But, like, what do you guys, and I, I didn't get a chance to listen to you guys yesterday when it goes down. Like, Shame do you believe you. that they should be? That's my fault. That's okay. That's on me. I forgive you. I will Brad. go back and listen to the podcast. I know it's right there on the website, so I will do that. Uh, <laughs> but it's, it's one of those things where uh, I'm interested from your standpoint of would you, if you're the front office, would you be listening to conversations about Nolan? Well, let me put it this way. Uh, certain teams, I'll answer the phone that I know have exactly what I want in return, and that's about it. So if it's the Dodgers and they're looking to send you know, a couple of big-time pitchers or some of their big-time young guys or prospect pitchers, then I guess I have to listen. But, like, honestly, I'd be answering the phone, and if they talked about Nolan Arenado, I'd be, hey, how's Walker Bueller doing? He's hurt. I understand that, but how's he doing? Uh, is, he, is he rehabbing? How's the, how's the next one of him doing? He's getting a bionic much, arm. So, so I think that if you get if you if you got numbers of volume back for this player, like you talked about Shohei Otani, and, and the, the haul that he would have brought to the Angels, which by the yeah. way, boy, are they dumb. But <laughs> the haul he would have brought for the Angels, you got to look at Nolan Arenado in the same light as like, man, this is a arguably one of the top. 10, yeah. maybe even less, best third baseman ever in baseball. For, he's going to Cooperstown. He is, like, 100%. There's no question. It was funny. We, we had his graphics up on the screen compared to, you know, Hall of Famers, and Scott Rowland was up there. You look at his offensive numbers, already better, you know, yeah. like, like what he's done. So the, the guy is headed to Cooperstown. And, uh, again, having those conversations, like the Dodgers call and be like, hey, this guy's off limits, but other than that, you know, Pick of the litter. Like, okay, well, we, we would actually start with that guy. And by the way, that guy would be Bobby Miller for them. He's a, a number, top 10 prospect in baseball, right-handed pitcher that you would love to get your hands on in a deal if you possibly could. But there is no such thing as an untouchable when it comes to a guy like Nolan Arenado. And again, when, I, when I'm talking through these, these fake deals, I don't want Nolan to go anywhere. I don't believe that he should go anywhere. I don't believe he wants to go anywhere. Why? Because he actually picked up his player option, didn't get more money elsewhere, which could have been the Dodgers. He didn't fight for more money or another year on this deal because he wanted to stay here. But your job is to still listen to see if you can make the ball club better. Well, we were talking with John Morosi earlier today on BK and Ferrario, and I thought he put it out perfectly. He said, you don't have the luxury as a team to have a list of untouchables on your squad. He said, you should be listening to everybody because you have the blessing of clarity with your roster right now of knowing where your weaknesses are, knowing where your strengths are. Your strengths are obviously corrupted if you trade away Nolan Arenado, but if somebody's willing, whether it's the Dodgers or if the Mariners are willing to offer up multiple of their pitchers, you at least have to answer that phone call. Yeah, if I'm if I'm entertaining moving on from Nolan Arenado, I'm absolutely moving on from Paul Goldschmidt too. Oh yeah, like there's no need to hang on to Paul Goldschmidt if you trade Arenado. I need a cornerstone. I need a guy. But like, who's he, your guy then? Well, BT, here's my thing: is you've got all that term left on Arenado's deal. You got another year on Paul Goldschmidt, who's for aging for now. I know, it, but in the moment, in the now, this right. is what you're looking at. So if I'm willing to trade Nolan Arenado, I almost have to be willing to move on from Paul Goldschmidt. I don't know about that because then you're then it's full rebuild, 
right? It, it depends what you get back in a deal if you are going to do it. And again, just throwing out the Arnado one because that was a rumor yesterday. If you get guys that are like big league ready, then you shift over. Not, maybe the idea was you shift over Walker. But okay, he plays third for now. Or maybe you move Gorman. Or whatever you want to do. You you have a little flexibility there position-wise. And you still have Goldie, the MVP, who's still putting up big-time yeah. numbers. You do also have financial flexibility because with the contract gone, the money is gone. Now that money is probably going to have to be poured into starting pitching first and foremost, but you'll still have a little cash left over, chances are. Maybe you add another bat of a certain ilk, but I, I could not move away from both of them unless I had like a plan way down the road, and I don't think they, they would have an appetite for that. I don't think they have an appetite for moving one of them, but the rumor is out there. Yeah, I don't like I don't like the idea of moving either of them, and Anthony and I got into this a little bit throughout the week because Anthony is just steadfast on moving Goldie. Like, move Goldie. Like, not Arenado, move Goldie. You okay. got the one year left and the aging. And Anthony puts up a good fight. He has a good argument to support it that if your haul coming back is something that can help you not just for next year but the year after as well, who knows about Paul Goldschmidt? And, Marshy, who does he continuously use as the 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 benchmark? Who's the first baseman in Houston? Abreu. Oh, yeah. Abreu, Abreu. Abreu. is right now. So yeah. Anthony uses Abreu as the the – the mile marker to MVP say, look what happened when mm-hmm. he got older. Yeah, different I, body type, different. I know, work ethic, but I guess everything. But but that's that's one way to, I understand. to look at it. No, I understand that. I don't see. It. I don't like it. I think I it's don't also like be- it either. I think it's also because it seems the Cardinals are so uncertain with Jordan Walker. At least that's what the reports are. Of is he an outfielder or is he going to have to be a DH next year until a spot opens up elsewhere? That's where at least the conversation has sparked for me with the Paul Goldschmidt of what are you doing yeah. with Walker? You got too I, many DH options, Jamie. You, you do. <laughs> you, you so have too many, many outfielders and too many DHs. <laughs> yeah. You got to clean up some of that. Some of them aren't they aren't great in the outfield. That ends up being a problem too, which makes him the DH option. Yeah. But when I look at Walker in the outfield. Yeah, he's had his struggles defensively, but the guy's a pure athlete. He is a pure athlete. Yeah, he's going to figure gonna it get out. Better in he's right, going to yeah. get better. Like He's going to get progressively better as he gets you know, more reps out there. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll see what that looks like. It's interesting to hear all these rumors all the time anyway, but another one I want to get into okay. coming back here is Jack Flaherty. Is he leaving or are the Cardinals extending him? Ooh, We'll get into that next here on 101 ESPN. The smartest way to do your homework Warm weather means homework for homeowners. And if your homework means a new deck, then turn to the deck experts at Hackman Lumber. Browse the largest inventory of decking materials and deck accessories in Missouri at Hackman Lumber Company. Talk with their experts about treated lumber, cedar, timber tech, Trex, Envision, Azek, and decorators to find the best deck for you. Check out endless choices of railings, balusters, and LED deck lighting options. Hackman Lumber Company will not be undersold on in-stock decking materials guaranteed. You can choose to do it yourself with Hackman's expert advice, or they can recommend reputable contractors to do the work for you. Stop by and see Hackman's expanded paint department, too, with brushes, rollers, painter's tape, and four different lines of interior and exterior paint. Custom color match available. Visit Hackman Lumber's newly remodeled stores in St. Peter's and Pacific, or their showroom in Troy, Missouri. Hackman Lumber.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. They would like to maybe keep one of these guys. I think they know deep down in their hearts that Jordan Montgomery's going to be a free agent, wants to be a free agent, wants to get max value. They think there might be a chance to, to talk Jack Clary into staying. Now, there's been zero progress. I was told there hasn't even been an offer made, but the Cardinals are hoping to maybe use the deadline in their favor. You know, I've been told they want him back. He's the one that they think they could hang on to. He's the one they covet. If a deal could be worked out between now and the deadline, I think both sides would be happy. That's John Denton right there, right here on these very airwaves at 101 ESPN. BT, the big uh, the big news in the last you know, couple days has been Jack Flaherty, who I think a lot of people felt like it was an automatic that he would be moved at the deadline. Uh, it may not quite be that way. I don't know if an extension is looming. I don't know if it's just wishful thinking. From some people, I don't know if it's just, yeah, you for, know, for me, knows? Jamie, it doesn't feel like an extension is looming when it comes to Jack Flaherty. That being said, piggybacking off of uh, John Den from MLB.com, who does a great job, at least he's not just throwing stuff at the wall. Um, the the concept of they would like to keep one of those guys, of course they would like to keep one of those guys. You're going to have three holes in your rotation next year. you got Michaelis and Mats, and then... Yeah, Mike, listen, Matt, is what you got next year, right? And then you're going to piece it together internally. You're going to have to go out and sign a free agent. Hopefully during this trade deadline, you bring in a guy that is ready for that job next year. So, yes, you're absolutely going to keep one of those guys. And the idea of Jordan Montgomery hitting the free agent market is due to the fact that his agent is Scott Boris, and Boris guys are going to hit the market. like, And he should hit the market at this point, unless you're going to give him market value to lock him up so you don't have to get in a bidding war. Chances are, right now, the Cardinals aren't willing to do that. So, What we'll, is market value for Jack right now? Because well, that's, that's very be difficult. No, and you're right. It is interesting because the dude has not been healthy the last couple of years, and the numbers are pedestrian this year, right? So the idea, like, let's 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 float out a contract extension for Jack Flaherty. If we wanted to play the Cardinals and, like, last-minute deadline, yeah. and if you're listening to Jack's camp, they have not – had any of these conversations to this point. They've wanted to have these conversations for the last year, or at least in spring training, they haven't been there. What are you willing to throw out to Jack Flaherty for an extension? Right? Well, it's not long-term. It's not long-term, and I know he'll say no to that. Okay, so what are you? how many years then? I'm looking at two to three years. I was thinking three. And yeah. I, I don't mind going higher in the dollar value. I don't mind saying, hey, Jack, listen. What's high then? Three well, by 25? Wow. You, three for 75? Wow. Yeah. Whoa, that's a lot. There's not a chance. That's way more. I was thinking like 15 per year. Tops. Yeah. 
That's where I, but the thing is, when I'm thinking about that as an extension, Jack would do the face that you're doing right now. It's like, no, yeah. no, I'm not doing that. Yeah, I was thinking more market, Jack Flaherty side of things. For sure, like for, free agent market. But when if they it, get that on the open That's market. the thing you don't know. So, but but the, the oddity of it is, is look, you look every year, you look at different starting pitchers, like, that guy's making what? Yeah. Like, how? How did he do that? Well, Jack has shown flashes of great. And yeah, Jack a lot of those guy guys, that, BT, in fairness, a lot of those guys you're talking about have a longer resume of putting together games. And what I mean by that being is being healthy. Yeah, being healthy yeah. for an extended period of time. And the back of the baseball card tells me when they're healthy, it looks like this, where Jack doesn't really have that. Yeah. Look, I, I look, if I'm floating an extension for Jack, it's going to look a lot like the Steven Matz contract to me. And it, it's going to look around $11 million a year. And you might be sitting there screaming at your radio right now, say, why would you do that? He's inconsistent at $5 million. Why? I get it. Like, I, I understand that. But look at what the market is going to be. We're just talking about how the market's going to be crazy. And Jack yeah. will probably make a lot more money than you want him to make or you expect him to make. Well, if if you want somebody that you believe is better than Jack, guess how much money they're going to make on the free agent market? Like they're yeah. going to end up making more. The Nolas, the Snells. And if you did re-sign Jack, then you still have two spots that you have to fill. One of those has to come from a big time free agent or a big time trade. You're not going to fill two spots internally in the rotation again. I think that they've learned from that mistake, right? Of saying we've got depth. Mm. Maybe let your depth fight it out for the fifth job, and yeah. then inevitably you're sixth and seventh when you need those guys. But I, I would think somewhere around, if you are inclined to do it, and who knows if the Cardinals are even inclined to do it, who knows if Jack is inclined to listen at this point, I think would be somewhere around the four-year 44 uh, that they gave Matt's. Maybe you go a tiny bit higher in the AAV. I don't go any higher in years. Honestly, I'd rather have three with an option. That's kind of where I was at, just yeah. to make sure that he can stay healthy. Yeah, and I, like I would, I would rather have Jack around last year than walk out the door. But I also would not want to give him so much money that it handcuffs you mm -hmm. from actually going somebody or going after somebody that you legitimately can believe is going to be near the top of your rotation. If you give him that kind of money come those kind of expectations, to this point, he hasn't proven to be that guy. The question that I was curious about on that side of it, if you're re-signing him, is how do you internally view Jack? As you, If you're bringing him back, is he your number one next year and then you're filling 3-4? No, that's what I was thinking. My concern is they look at Jack and say, well, we'll bring him back and look at what he did this year. We'll put him in as our number one in a mic list. They man. They already did that. that. They made that mistake already this year. Whereas they, they looked at him like, okay, well, this is going to be second mm -hmm. half 2019 stuff. He's going to be healthy. Bingo, bingo, bongo. We're good to go. You're not. You're not. You you have, if you had him, you have in, in no particular order, right? Two, three, four in your rotation. Right. Or maybe three, four, five. If you go out and get the right one, two, like that, like that's the way that they have to be looking at it right now. So when, so when Mo's breaking it down, and, and we haven't gotten into Jordan Montgomery yet, which we might as well do that right now, is my perception from an outsider looking into the Cardinals front office is that Jordan Montgomery is as good as gone. Do you guys agree with that? I believe they're both as good as gone. Yeah. Okay. That's kind of where I am too. All right. Which, which, by the way, again, does not mean you can't bring. One of them back. Right. Like you're going to have to pony up to keep them, but it doesn't mean you can't. And also, there could be one of them, and may maybe it ends up being Jack because Jack doesn't have as much of a track record the last couple of years of being steady as Montgomery. You test the market, and maybe the market comes back a little bit, and maybe for Jack there could be a little bit more money elsewhere. But there's also the comforts of St. Louis. Right. 
then you bring him back. And, and you, you, whether it's to a proven deal or to a shorter-term deal or a deal that both sides actually feel good about. You know, we can do those things, too, where you don't feel like you're screwed over on one side or the other. Yeah. You know, in any business transaction, somebody always feels like a winner or a loser. But there can be some good deals out there as well. So even if both of these guys are traded, and right now the way that the Cardinals are playing, the way that they are, you know, right now and the needs that they have, to me that is a smart move to trade both of these pieces off, and then if you look at one of them and say, I'd like to bring them back, well, then you bring them back because all it costs you is money. But what you get is right now, if you sign somebody to an extension, that's going to cost you money too. You get nothing in return. You get no prospects, no people, no pieces coming back to help you build in 2024. It makes logical sense to me outside looking in without knowing any of their internal conversations to ship them both off. Now, Stephen Matz is an interesting name. We, I, I have been just looking at it as Stephen Matson, Miles Michaelis are your two guys, and you're going to have to fill up the rest of the rotation this year at the trade deadline and also in the offseason, either via trade or signing somebody. There's a little bit of a report out there, uh, MLB Insider. Uh, MLB what? Um, trying to find it here. I'll insider. It. Yeah. The way you slowed it down sounded different. Mm. That's all. Insider. Yeah, it depends where you. Uh, it's where you pause it. Mm-hmm. It sure is. Yep. Hmm. Well, they had on here that uh, that there Stephen Matz has been. You know that name pops up as a possible trade candidate as well. Now, think, based upon his performance, yeah. not recently, but and his yeah. health and since he's been a Cardinal, you look at that, and I'm sure a lot of people are like get rid of him. I don't know. Pump the brakes. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. Yeah. $10, $11 million a year for a starting pitcher is peanuts, okay? I said peanuts, right? Yeah, you did. Yeah. Nailed um, it. Yeah. It's, again, relative for all of us. $10 million a year, it's more money than I, I'll ever make, right? But for them, it is it, it is all relative. You go out and you want to sign a guy on the free agent market, what did, what did Verlander sign for? 43. That's what did Scherzer sign for? $43 million a year. Like th- Those are what dudes are making on the open market. I wouldn't be so quick on the draw, but for the idea of, hey, Steven Matz, his name is out there. You know why his name is out there? Because he's wearing the birds on the bat. Like Anybody that's wearing that uniform right now, yeah. their name should be out there because if they are an option that help make this ball club better, then you should be talking about it. Well, speaking of options, uh, this uh, we saw coming out with the break that the Dodgers – have made a trade, and they've acquired uh, Lance Lynn and Joe Kelly from the White Sox, and that's according what? to Ken Rosenthal. Uh, yeah, and Jeff Passan reported that Chicago will receive outfielder Trace Thompson and minor league right-handers Nick Nestrini, and a number who's a number nine prospect in the MLB pipeline in Jordan Leisure. Teams have not yet confirmed a trade, but this is what they're reporting. So. What Jamie, does that tell you? Well, uh, they need. Well, it tells me that might be one market that is not going to be going after Jack potentially, or and maybe they do. Maybe they have say, a couple they, of starting pitchers. They don't have they, any they have other room. pitchers right now. They, actually, they have plenty of room, so maybe they do. Maybe they they went after. Well, they, they already have the relationship Monty, with Joe too. Kelly, huh? They've been rumored for Monty. for sure. Like anybody that uh, has, I think Monty is the number one free agent lefty. I'm sorry, not free agent, but tradable lefty that's out there unless there's clarity on Blake Snell right before the deadline who's having a freaking monster year who might end up getting a haul. So anybody that thinks they're going to go on a run, Dodgers obviously should think they're going on a run, should be in on Jordan Montgomery. And right now when you look at the standings, you look at buyers, you look at sellers, there are a hell of a lot more buyers out there than there are sellers. So if you are a team like the Cardinals who have two 
well sought after commodities in starting pitching like Flaherty and, and like Montgomery, you just got to make sure you get the right deal mm-hmm. because this has got an opportunity to be a pivotal trade deadline that can set them up for success. But it'll be interesting to watch Lance Lynn. Overall numbers this year have not been great. Joe Kelly, they freaking love him in L.A. Like, he's he's perfect. Bring him back into the fold over there. But I think that you get, uh, you get Lance – out of there, you get him in a new environment, playoffs down the stretch, I think that he's going to be good to go. Well, Lance for the Dodgers is more to certainty for next year. If I'm assuming it's the option, the player option that he's got, that you get certain, or he's under contract for next year. He's got another year. Joe Kelly has team option Yeah, on his So contract. that's certainty, at least for your rotation with the Dodgers, and especially how the last couple of years have gone with injuries yeah. to their pitching. You need certainty right now. Guys, I do want to tell you this, okay? Got like another segment to go. But before I leave, just know this. Alex broke this computer over here. It's popping up. It says uh, Trojan Spyware. And it's something finance, track, security services. It's all gone down. What did you Google? I, I was going uh, trade rumors. <laughs> you <laughs> misspelled spelled something. something wrong? Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> I'll figure it out. That's, uh, that was Alex. Yeah, the, the blinking red words don't uh, bode well for you no. moving forward. I'm but hey, it's the weekend. software that they told me to download <laughs> really quick, so we get it Give we'll me your credit going. card number while you're <laughs> at it, BT. Alex, I forgot my wallet. Yeah, <laughs> hold on. Let me hook you up for a minute, buddy. All right. When we come back, uh, we're going to get into uh, – I'm curious to find out, you know, with the Dodgers going and acquiring Lance Lynn and Joe Kelly – um, you know, what the Cardinals will be targeting out here. I know it's pitching, but what team and who and what level? We'll get into that next here in the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. You are such a goof. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. focus on the pitching, and give away all our hitting? How is that going to fix anything? Well, that was the voice of uh, our best friend, Janet, weighing in on that one there, Brad, and she's not completely wrong. Oh, no, that. you can't uh, rob Peter to pay Paul no, all the no. time. You'll be just doing that same like back and forth, like like tennis. Yeah, or ping pong. Or badminton. <laughs> What's that? Badminton. Bad. Badminton. Yeah, that's what I said. No you, no, you threw a G in there. No. Or you're volleyball. No. You're, you're I heard an N. Yeah, it said badminton? badminton. What? I had badminton. Yeah, screwing around. Okay, so the car. <laughs> when I was, uh, I want to go on vacation. I want to go skiing, but I want to get a, a ski-doo. Yeah. Ski-doo. Yeah. A skidoo. What's Sk-doo. that? A skidoo. Yeah. It's a snow machine. That sounds like a catchphrase. Skidoo! It's one of my favorites. It's the best one ever. I said a skidoo. You're like, a skidoo? I'm like, like, that sounds way cooler, honestly. Yeah, I want to get a skidoo. The 52 skidoo? Skidoo! The 52 skidoo. (laughs) Got the goalie pulled for doing the old 52 skidoo on this one. All right, so the Cardinals, boys, lots of trade rumors all over the place. And I I haven't heard anything like extremely solid yet about what the Cardinals are coveting. Now, you yeah, say pitching. I get it. Yeah, okay. you're not going to. Because it's going to be names you don't know. So let me ask you something. When I say you, I mean me, too. <laughs> no, that's fine. <laughs> so how much of a risk is that, BT? Like Big. acquiring cost-controlled 
upside pitching that you really don't know about. Yeah, well, it's not much of a risk when you're talking about trading away your free agents, right? It's not much of a risk when you're talking about... Yeah, if but you, you got to stock the cupboards, man. I get it, uh, but it, you got three guys that are walking out the door. Four, technically, because Stratton is going to be walking out the door as well. So you got four free agents that will be leaving. You would get nothing for them other than a compensatory pick uh, at, at the end of things if they sign a, a big enough contract, right? So there's no, there's no risk in trading off your free agents other than you go on a magical run and be like, boy, I wish we had Jordan Hill right now to shut the door like that would be a bit of a risk or wish we had jordan montgomery to eat up some innings like those are your risks uh but when you're sitting as far back in the division right now i don't think that you can think about those risks but here's where you really have to be great you have to evaluate other people's talent and it i think it is a fair thing to say when you look at internally when there have been some trades as of late there have been very good trades also nobody's griped about the goldie trade nobody's griped about the arenado trade those have been great and i think that the cardinals evaluated the talent going the other way quite well but there have been some others that we continue to point at i don't even have one off the top of my head i just think that there might be some hard that to people are yes you're driving in a car and you're, you remember a random name doesn't yeah matter how many so many of them that's the problem how many syllables it has you know (laughs) you're Um, right but so you have to you have to properly evaluate your talent and the talent that's coming in and that's when you're leaning heavily on your front office you're leaning heavily on your scouts that are out there and you better trust in your group like that's the thing so yes they're going to be looking for a lot of pitching you're looking for in some of your bigger deals you want guys that are are double a triple a maybe some guys that have had knocks on the door at the big leagues cups of coffee you want young guys like that with with upside and guess what everybody wants young guys with upside so how do you evaluate that pitching a little bit differently how do you find that little something you say okay well i'm seeing something in this prospect that another organization might not be seeing or hey i would rather have this guy thrown in that deal than that guy thrown in that deal like do they have the right pieces around to do that that's going to be one of the biggest questions but it's not going to just be obviously it's not going to be just be pitching that comes back there's going to be there'll be low-level prospects there'll be you say uh, they didn't need a catcher they, they need a player Doesn't right matter. They, these are all these are all commodities yeah and sometimes you take on out. other people's um salary lessers of course or whatever it because it'll be like well, okay fine we'll do the deal but we got too many guys over here you got to take this catcher you got to take this outfielder big time big okay time. I, I don't know if I see the Cardinals taking on salary in any deals, but I think that they could if they wanted to. Like, it, you just got the wheels turning now when I'm thinking about it. If you do trade off Montgomery and you trade off Jack Flaherty, instead of simply pivoting to, okay, well, here comes Libby, here comes uh, Jake Woodford. If there were a deal out there for a starting pitcher who's costing money, who's had a crappy year, like, guy's just not been good. But. It attaches a prospect to it. Would they be inclined to do that? Would they take on some of that money? So I think that that might actually be a smart thing to do, and you save some young guys. So that's kind of where my head was at you know, about ten days ago, maybe two weeks ago. Just when, when we were talking about Lance Lynn and Joe Kelly, and uh, obviously now probably it's a moot point. But my thought process behind it was. Yes, you're not going out to sign these guys to big contracts. You already know what the dollar value is attached to each guy. Right. But you, you kind of know what you're getting. So even though you're selling off the free agents, you still have to stock the cupboards with something. And you can't, for me, I find it risky to just fill the basket with young arms. Well, you can't just do it with low-level prospects either. No, exactly. So I, I just, I think this is a really, really tricky trade deadline for John Mosellock and the Cardinals because they're going to have to identify what it is they 
covet the most? Are they looking for a guy to come in, be a, a, a placeholder for a year Yeah. while some of the young talent evolves? And some of the young talent has to hit. Like, they have to be ready to go next year. And then you better be willing to spend some money in the offseason. I've said it. I don't know if you were on the show when, when I said it, but this is the summer for me, where, or the, the offseason, where the DeWitts and the Cardinals overall have to say, we're getting either Nola or Snell. I don't care what the price tag is. We're getting one of them, and you just you gotta you gotta go for it. No, I, I don't disagree with that. You need somebody at the top of your rotation if you want to go compete in twenty twenty four. You need a dude. In my opinion, we talked about this last year. You need a dude. It has come to fruition. You didn't have that, uh, and in large part, you, you struggled. Going back to the what do you covet, right? Without having like names of everybody's prospects. Yeah, that's want, so hard. You want the best pitching prospects you can get, right? Right, right now, the, the Rangers are interested apparently in Jordan Hicks. That's one of the biggest rumors that are out there because, uh, I guess, those extension talks mm-hmm. maybe have stalled a little bit or, or who knows. But everybody should be interested in Jordan Hicks. When I'm looking at uh, what pieces do you want to bring in, I'm looking at a skill set, okay? What do the Cardinals not have much of at all? Swing and miss. Like, they don't have stuff. Mm-hmm. I need stuff coming back, okay? And this could be stuff. You might look at it. We might see a trade happen, and there will be a couple of guys. And be like, dude's got a 70 RA at AA. What are we doing? Don't look at that. Look at what does this stuff look like? Mm-hmm. Well, how does it project? Like these guys so have all these numbers. What do you look for? What stat are you? What are you, what stat are you isolating? You're look, well, you're digging. You're digging in a lot of different things, right? Like, do you have an elite pitch? Like when you're looking at uh, all of the different the spin rates and the extension and all the data that they have, which might bore all of us to death. But like, really, when you're digging in, these are the differences on some of these pitches. Do they tunnel well? Does he have a elite rise on his fastball? Rise the wrong term? Do you understand? Does it, does it yeah. stay true? Uh, like, are there is there something about this guy that we can turn into something else? Like, you're looking for skill sets at this point. You know everything about all these prospects. There's there's write-ups about everybody. Uh, Randy Flores, the scouting director of the Cardinals, for all these young guys out there, they've done reports on all these guys already, like pre-draft years ago for yeah. many of these guys. You have scouts across the league that cover all of these teams. But then how do you isolate it and say, okay, well, this this right here makes sense and we can make that even better. I'm looking for skill sets at this point. I'm looking for high-octane velo. I'm looking for swing and miss, uh, breaking stuff. And everybody's looking for stuff like this. Can you find that that maybe unturn a rock that somebody else hasn't done for some of these prospects? The two things that I've been curious about when it comes to that trade deadline is quality over quantity rather than getting three guys in return for who you're trading out if you're getting one guy and he's got that stuff that you're searching for does that make more sense but also and i've seen a lot of people say well you don't need position players you need pitchers what if somebody's willing to give you a good enough position player prospect and you're able to flip that in the offseason yeah no you take it like you, you take the best return that you can possibly get and but that's where it goes to being the team right now that is a seller as opposed to being one of the many buyers, yeah. you should have the opportunity to be a little bit more selective. But as time narrows a little bit, there's only so much time you can put into digging into this deal, digging into that deal. Like At some point, you have to take your best deal. The problem is those best deals tend to come late. And I've never been in this scenario before. I'm not sure I'd want to be in that scenario where you're the one pulling the trigger on these deals that that are late. But they're going to have to make sure that they find the best return that is out there. And uh, just in talking to the front office this past week, I mean, they were they were on the road trip. Everybody was there in Arizona. Like it is nonstop right now. The phones are ringing all the time. Meetings are happening all the time, and they're trying to figure out how to best place the Cardinals in a good position 
for 2024. That's Brad Thompson. He's on the broadcast tonight, Bally Sports Midwest. What time's first pitch, PT? First pitch is 7.15. 7.15, but you're pre and post, aren't you? You should definitely check out the pregame, too. Pregame, postgame, in-game. All the time, I'll our do guy a BT, and then I'll, I'll have a drink with somebody afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, he's Brad Thompson. Catch him on Bally's tonight. BT, thanks a lot for coming by here. Love having you in the studio. I got uh, lost. It's a lot of fun. Too long. It's been a while. All right, buddy. Thanks a lot. What's trending coming up next here in the Fast Lane? We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. What's trending in the world of sports? The Fast Lane has you covered. What's trending now? Brought to you by Goodwill. Donate to Goodwill and get a half price Cardinals ticket voucher. Welcome back to the Fast Lane here on 101 ESPN. Jamie Rivers, our guy Alex Ferrario, filling in for Anthony Stalter. I'm Andrew Marsh, and it's time for What's Trending. Guys, game number two of the League's Cup group stage last night between St. Louis City SC and Club America did not go so well for City SC. A clean sheet for Club America, a 4-0 victory, and it started off early. And it didn't seem like City SC was really in it the entire match. So, Marshy, I was uh, engulfed pretty much in the Cardinals game. Did City SC play more starters? Yeah, they did. They I think did. they started they about probably as close to like a starting lineup yeah. as possible for that Not match. Not great. Not <laughs> great. Mm. It was it was interesting. It was my first City SC match that I went to at City Park. I actually had a lot of fun, minus the score. Club America, they're a good, they're a good squad though. Like, did they, I see that they brought a whole bunch of fans with them too? There was a ton of fans. Mm-hmm. Technically, it was a it was a, an away game for City SC with how the League's Cup worked. It was really weird. They were playing like Club America songs and whatnot throughout the game. Do they it, not have a building? They do, but like the way that. I think that's how this goes, where you get a traveling team to different places that are the home teams, if I'm not mistaken. I I'm, I'm, I don't know like the, the ins and outs of the tournament, but that's what I, I saw that it was technically an away game. But nonetheless, like the, the atmosphere was, was still cool, at least for me being my, my first uh, time there. But uh, that, I mean, they were super fast, and you could just see like the, the defense was not on their game last night. So, I mean, I don't know where City SC goes from here in terms of how they kind of correct their, their defensive play. Granted, it's not a regular season game. They're playing a complete different team, a complete different league. But, um, yeah, I I thought it was kind of a a crappy showing last night, unfortunately. It's a bit of a wake-up call, too. That doesn't hurt for a team that has had the success that they've had. It's not that they've taken it for granted, but, you know, they are having a very successful inaugural season. And this game really doesn't mean anything Mm -hmm. as far as the standings and that. It's good. Every now and then, get a little slap in the face is good. They picked apart the defense, which I, mean, I think that's what everybody who's watched City this season mm-hmm. knows. That's their weakest area is their defensive line. Uh, they picked them apart last night. Yeah, Roman Berkey <laughs> was out on an island yeah. last night. Well, he he can only pleased. do so much. <laughs> I see him be a bitter beer face He's for the probably, entire second half. Well, they had a... <laughs> know that feeling, they had especially a, in St. Louis for a goaltender. A close-up yeah. <laughs> of Roman Berkey after one of the... 
I don't know if a goal went in, but it was they had a really good opportunity, and you could see the close-up, and he was mouthing, you know, a few words, which <laughs> rightfully so, Careful. B- being the way that the the defense by ordering broke his down. beer for the after the match. <laughs> yeah, but when Anthony asked him like, "Hey, why are you yelling?" and he's like, "Oh, it's so loud," I completely understand. I mean, they are the supporters yeah. section; they're playing, you know, the drums. They got the chance going the entire match. It's did you hard sit to hear. Down, Marshy? No, I did not. I was you're, in the supporter section. I, I swear I did not sit down. You I were in the supporter section? I was in the supporter section. Look at you, you sick son. How long did you stand match. for? The entire time. God. I didn't sit down until I got into my, like, to go home and lay down on my couch was the first time I was able to, like, lay down since I sat in this chair yesterday during you the show. You slept like a baby, didn't you? <laughs> I did. I really I, I did. did. Climb those legs, <laughs> let the blood great. flow back down. It was great. Sometimes I fall asleep on the couch too, but last <laughs> night I was like, I got to get to my bed for sure. <laughs> How about Vladimir Tarasenko though, huh? He signs with the Ottawa Senators, five million, one year. What do you think about this move? I, well, it's more money than I thought he was going to get. Same. To be honest, mm-hmm. um, I don't know how this one works out. I really don't. You know, Vladdy is um, an acquired taste sometimes when it comes to locker room stuff. He's a very talented player. There's no doubt about it. I mean, you can't deny that. But does he fit with what Ottawa is doing? Like, that's where I look at it and I go, I just don't know if this is a fit. Like, yes, he's a good player. Yes, he will create offense. But they have a really good young base of players there. Tight group, too. And I just don't know if bringing a strong personality that has sometimes, you know, kind of conflicted with teammates in the past. I don't know if that works, but maybe maybe this has been a little bit of a wake-up call for Vladdy. The, the whole ordeal. Right. Maybe he's going to be like, hey, you know what? I just want to score a bunch of goals. Did you see the report earlier today, too, from uh, Spectres Hockey that said apparently he had a four-year deal worth what they're paying him now early in the offseason from Ottawa, and he didn't take it. I guess he thought that there was more out there, or maybe he didn't want to go to Ottawa. And to end on a one-year deal, that's a prove-it deal. And, I mean, you're getting significant money for it, but yeah, correct me if I'm wrong, Jamie. Not on the area, but the team you're going to, I don't know if that's the team, if I'm Vladimir Tarasenko at 31, that I go to on a prove-it deal, if that uh, makes sense. Actually, I'm fine with it. Really? They got so much offensive upside on that team. But what I mean is he I mean, he might be going into that like a second or third-line winger for them. Well, he'll definitely be a second-line player. He's yeah. not going to be first-line player, but he'll get a lot of power play time. Yeah. You know, wherever Debrinket played last year, as far That'll as like slotting in, that's where Vladdy's going to play that's a good point. Uh, this upcoming season. Then look at if it's a prove-it year for Vladdy, then prove it right away mm-hmm. to Ottawa, too. Like, prove that you deserve to be on the first power play. Prove that you deserve to play on the first line with with Kitchuk and Stutzler. Prove something. Right. Um, So we'll see. Yeah, one-year deal, it's an odd situation for a guy that's so established to have to go back and, like, reset the market. Yeah. But, again, I blame nobody but Vladdy for that. I agree. By the way, I wanted to circle back to the City SC conversation we were just having. We got a couple text messages from the Air Comfort Service text line. From the 636, Club America is one of the top clubs in all of North America. They have 13 national team members on their squad, which is uh, pretty crazy. And then from the 314, Club America is the best team in North America. Last night showed the need for the MLS to keep growing. Love SC still, though. So, uh, yeah, that was a a tough matchup for City SC, but... um, Man, going up against one of the best teams. You got in a that taste league. of how the rich live. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, I want to move to 
the football field, not the pitch. How about Dalvin Cook? He says he's high on the Jets ahead of his visit, uh, and he could possibly be a New York Jet here soon. If he does become part of that backfield, how does that team look in the AFC East? Question for you, Jamie. Some clarification. Sure. Is he high on the Jets, or is he high on the Jets? Mm. Or is he just high on a Jet? I mean, he's going to play with Aaron wow. Rodgers. <laughs> trying zone. to get there. There's a lot. Yeah, maybe, uh, maybe Aaron threw a little ayahuasca his way. How do you get a guy to come to where you want him to come? Hmm. Interesting. You get high on the um, team. Yeah, so Dalvin Cook... I, I, when he started, was going to have his visit with the Jets, I thought it was his done deal. Like I thought he'd be going too. there and signing, and they'd make a whole big thing of it. So the fact that he hasn't signed yet, I don't know. Maybe there's a couple of details that have to be ironed out. But if you're him, why would you not sign there? There's going to be a tremendous amount of attention to that team this year. You've got Aaron Rodgers. The only thing I'd say is that with Aaron Rodgers, he, he may not be as busy as he has been, but maybe that's good. Finding out how the running backs feel about all this being worked into the ground and not being paid for it and maybe it's a better thing to go to a team that's going to be throwing it out a lot yeah well, a lot I, of blocking though then yeah well but the one thing you know about aaron Rodgers is he loves to get his running backs involved at least that's how he's been in green bay aaron jones and especially in terms of throwing to him so it makes sense the part for me is aaron Rodgers doesn't take less money after what he signed for with guaranteed if you're not bringing in a dalvin cook now mm-hmm. maybe the new england patriots were the other rumor team to be involved maybe bill belichick's trying to make his last ditch effort to get dalvin cook there but i mean if you're dalvin and you want to win and make minnesota regret what they did that would be the team i'm going to guys you were talking about this a little bit earlier <laughs> when uh, bt was here but bob nightingale earlier today Uh, He tweeted out, the Texas Rangers are aggressively pursuing Cardinals closer Jordan Hicks. Hicks is a free agent at the end of the season and will be moved only if the Cardinals can't sign him to a contract extension before Tuesday. We'll have Levi Weaver on, who's a staff writer for The Athletic, who covers the Texas Rangers on at 345. But what were your first impressions when you saw that news on your Twitter feed or X feed as Elon Musk likes to call it. Yeah, the X feed. Yeah, or whatever. I don't even know if he calls it. I don't even know that. what it's called. Anymore. That's what you don't Google if you're BT on the com- computer. <laughs> That's a good point. That's how you get the That's, flashing red lights. Yeah, he'd be very careful with that. Um, yeah, I don't know what I feel about it. I think that it's natural that you have a guy that is in his last year of his contract that is having the season that he's having right now. The teams are going to call, and the Rangers are a team that. I've been circling them as a team that needs to go for it. Heck, I thought they should have been in on the Shohei Hotani sweepstakes, which maybe they were, but you know, the Angels ultimately deciding that they'd rather just hang on to Otani, lose him, and then suck for the next five years. It's fine too, either way. But yeah, I, I think it's it's probably gonna heat up even more. I think there'll be more teams rumored into the Jordan Hicks sweepstakes if the Cardinals can't work out an extension, which it doesn't sound promising right now that they're going to be able to do that. It, it makes sense the Rangers, too, because Rangers already got a roll as Chapman to strengthen that bullpen. He's a lefty. You go get a righty like a Jordan Hicks. And, and the thing for the Cardinals is it's good if teams are aggressively pursuing, which I never understood when the reports were or oh, where they're trying to get an extension. He's more than likely, depending on what the Padres do with Josh Hader, is the best available back end of the rotation reliever at the trade deadline, and that's going to get you something significant. So when you look at the Texas Rangers, my first thought was, great, who else can I package with him to Texas to make that offer better? Because if I'm going to want pitching and some of the better pitching, Texas is going to have some of those guys. Guys like Jack Leiter, BT and I were talking about Kumar Rocker. Uh, These are guys that you find a way to get 
package some players together with Hicks to see what Texas wants. Yeah, and I do believe the Rangers are looking at this as a go-for-it year. You have to. And so if that's the case, then they might be a little more willing to part with some of the top-end prospects. Speaking of trades, the Dodgers have acquired Lance Lynn and reliever Joe Kelly. Two former Cardinals, and Jamie, you mentioned uh, last week and even this week that you would love to have those two guys on the team. Where does that put the Dodgers in the National League in terms of where they rank, you know, up against, let's say, the Braves? Yeah, I think well, top. I don't know. Like the Braves, man, when they're on their game, that's just a freaking juggernaut mm-hmm. right there. Now the Braves also, you know, a little inconsistent in the pitching department this year. But I look at the Dodgers and I just think to myself, like they they have to keep going. They have to keep adding. If they were even thinking about Shohei Otani as well at the deadline, well, that that ship has sailed, so now you've got to add. And they added Lance Lynn and Joe Kelly, but that's not enough. They've got more stuff to do, which is why they've been rumored in with the Cardinals as far as Flaherty and Montgomery are concerned. Um, I, I still think the Braves, for me, the Braves are still the number one team to beat in the National League, but the Dodgers obviously are right there. Yeah, I mean, it really... This was only, to me, one of the many moves that still should come for the Dodgers because if you look at their roster right now, and specifically their starting pitchers, Walker Bueller on the 60-day IL, uh, you've got Daniel Hudson on the 60-day IL, Clayton Kershaw, Dustin May, Shelby Miller, Jimmy Nelson. Pretty much their entire rotation is on the 60-day IL. Getting Lance Lynn, great, because that's giving you some certainty and you know he's in your rotation. I, I don't know if I think that they're done in terms of potentially trading for a Jack Flaherty Plus, if you're the Dodgers, you're right, Jamie. Like, you've got the Braves that are still significantly better than you. I, I personally think the Diamondbacks have very have been very impressive, and depending on what they do, they're probably still better than you. So the Cardinals and the Dodgers still make some sense between now and Tuesday. Now the White Sox have been busy too yeah. today. They they've had a couple of different trades going out there. What do you think that what do you guys think that does to the Cardinals market? Because if the White Sox are getting out ahead of things right now, are they are they winning because they're out ahead getting this stuff done before there's a sweepstakes? Or is it better to hang on and wait to the very end? Me personally, I would say you wait and hang on because the price is just going to go up. Frankly, the White Sox are unloading it all, so they're not going to have anybody other than if they decide to move Dylan Cease, which they've said no to. Who else are they moving between now and Tuesday? So if I'm a team that needs starting pitching or bullpen help, well, now I could cross the White Sox name off the list. So who am I calling? Yeah. Cardinals. So unless somebody else of San Diego truly becomes a seller... I mean, I would sit there and wait until Tuesday because sooner or later, teams that want to make significant upgrades aren't going to have any other options available other than the Cardinals. He's Alex Ferrario. I'm Jamie Rivers. Andrew Marsh on the dials. We got the voice of the blues, Chris Kerber, coming up next here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Three seventeen here in the fast lane on 101 ESPN. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, official provider of Rolex jewelry. We head out to the celebrity line to be joined by none other than the voice of your St. Louis Blues, Chris Kerber. Kerbs, how we doing today, bud? Jamie, I'm doing awesome. Uh, just bracing myself for an evening uh, where my wife, uh, taking my wife to go see uh, Brett Michaels, and I'm just bracing myself for that evening as she... 
She's a massive Poison fan, so uh, th- this is a big day in the Kerber household, apparently. I love it, Curves. What you have to do is surprise her by wearing a bandana tonight. Just going to ask that. Uh, I won't make you wear the mullet wig for that, but just show up when you're ready to go with a red bandana, maybe some eyeliner around your go eyes. buy one of those fake arm yeah, sleeves. Yeah, a little arm sleeve. I think, you know what, Curves, it, it might help you. Okay, first off, I've tried wearing the hat. It didn't work the first time. <laughs> Secondly, Secondly, thanks to the legendary Tommy Mattern, this was a Christmas gift for Christy set up with a, a meet and greet there. So, like, this is going to be a little over the top. And, you know, I, I, I'm just, I, you know, I'll just wait outside the tour bus. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Oh, man. I, I don't know. Am I allowed to say that? I don't know. No, yeah, you just did. <laughs> You're just one of the many groupies. Yeah, I'm with you, Curves. Just, just let it happen, man. <laughs> Come on, man. Give me a guitar pick, man. <laughs> Now, who else is on that bill over there? It's a bunch of a lot of different bands. Yeah, you know what? They've got the uh, some guy named Steve that was the lead singer of of Journey, but it's not Steve Perry. Um, and then, uh, <laughs> and, and then, and then I think I think I saw a Night Ranger on there. Now, the last time I saw a Night Ranger perform, honest to goodness, it was I think it was at a bar called Senior Frogs in Birmingham, Alabama. So, wow, uh, Senior yeah, they're, they're Frogs. Making a they had one here too. Yeah, they did. Yeah, they did. Right, I think it was it was right there off of Manchester, right, just yeah. west of or east of Barry Road. Yes, it was. They had one Lake of yeah. the Ozarks too, I think. I mean, and that, so that place... I hear. I never went there, Kurt, <laughs> Jamie, you know. Jamie never frequented it. Yeah, All yeah right. so we're, it's, it'll be a good night. Yeah, so Curbs, uh, we were just talking about this in, in our What's Trending uh, segment, but Vladimir Tarasenko signs the one-year deal, five million in Ottawa. Just your thoughts initially of it, you know, the thoughts of the dollar value, the term, and the fit with Ottawa. Uh, I think Vladimir Tarasenko. Uh, I mean, Jamie, you're the former player, man. I always see, I always defer to you guys when it comes to this because you. But I, I, in my opinion, like I, I just, I just think that Vladimir Tarasenko got a real dose of reality of where his value is, and and. Maybe whether it was uh, inflated reality because of his agent, um, but uh, it, it's been a couple years of mismanagement, a couple years of not handling things properly on 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 the agent side of things, and it, it snowballed into this year instead of a guy that should have gotten a multi-year deal, right? To find a one-year deal at five million, you know. It tells you something. And, the, the, guys, there's a tale of two tapes here. You saw what happened to Vladimir Tarasenko, who's now going to go to Ottawa. And, and it, it'll be a good up-and-coming team for him. So I, uh, I'm excited for him on that. But, you know, then, then look at what Ryan O'Reilly did. You know, a four-year deal at four points. Like, he knew right where his value was, decided he, he, they, they've made enough money to be able to make a, a lifestyle choice on this one. And, you know, it, I don't know how much easier it's going to be at 32 to get a long-term deal, Jamie. That's that's the thing for me. Yeah, so I, I agree, Curves. You know, you talk about the Ryan O'Reilly deal. I think that one there, you know, Ryan O'Reilly and knowing Barry Trotz and, and the whole situation surrounding it, they're looking for a culture change in Nashville. And I think this is where the scouting report slash character of Ryan O'Reilly helped him get this contract because he's obviously a great locker room guy, great culture guy, hard worker. You know, but the flip side of it, where I think the difference kind of lies, is there's been some turbulence surrounding Vladdy in the last, you know, couple years. It may have sometimes go back maybe even five years. There's been some things that have gone on, and do you think that that played into this in any capacity? 
Well, I, I think it absolutely has to. Um, and, you know, he fell victim to the final year of the flat cap. We'd look, you're a, when you hit free agency at the age of 30, 31, and you realize this next contract might be kind of the last kind of major contract, you could add some one years and two years after, the, after this one, right? And, and it's in that flat cap era. You just had to look at how many teams are butted up against the salary cap. And if you're, you're Vladimir, you know, I'm, I'm, there's no doubt he probably wanted to stay in New York. You know, I don't know that his performance lit up the Rangers enough and Chris Drury enough to, to sign him to any kind of a big deal. And, uh, and, and it's, it's unfortunate for those, for those guys. But you just looked at it, and your options are very limited in terms of going to a team you feel is a contending team right now. And it's, it's more and more difficult now. And this, by the way, and boy, you, I know you'll remember this one big time, Jamie, but one of the big arguments that the Players Association made in 0405 with the salary cap era, how it's eventually going to like end veteran careers before they probably need to be done. And we've seen that. And so you've seen because of the salary cap now, veterans get to a certain point, and then they either have to sign for a lot less to continue their career or they hang it up. And, um, and and I think Vladimir, in, in this case, just got caught in the flat cap era where not a lot of teams had extra dollars to spend. Curbs, the, uh, the other news around the NHL over the last 24 hours has been the Arizona Coyotes and getting Logan Cooley to commit to the Arizona team rather than going back to college. And I was thinking of this last night. The Arizona Coyotes, although a team that is still in that rebuild, a team that's putting some competitive competitiveness together with their roster that could at least make some things interesting for this upcoming season in the Central. You know what? Uh, like, and I've got I've got a special affinity for the Arizona Coyotes because I uh, we were affiliated with them when I was in Springfield a long time back, and and my first NHL game was a Coyotes Flyers game, filling in on on Coyotes radio. So uh, you know I got I got a little special soft spot in my heart for those guys. But I got to tell you, like at some point in time, they need to blank or get off the pot like it's it's a joke how bad they have been for as long as they've been their ownership issues have crippled that franchise their ownership issues over the years have have made it just impossible and and the arena location issues and the arena stuff has made it impossible for the fan base to really grow and it's been a long time since those fans out there and i think it's a fine market for the nhl have had something to really root for and, and, and go for. So good for them that they were able to get him. I honestly, I'm surprised that, that, that he did. I know Jamie and I talked about this a long time back. I, I wonder if, like, if you're Logan Cooley, I, I almost want to kind of would, would have been curious to wait and see where this goes because who knows if you're signing with Arizona and yet you could end up in Salt Lake City or wherever that team may go if they can't figure out the their situation. So, um, but but good for them. It, I mean, and it's going to make the division better. It's going to make the competition in the Central Division better. But the Arizona Coyotes have to finally start finding a way to win. It, it, the days of tanking to get high draft picks have got to stop for them, and, and, I, and I think it's time for them to turn that corner. Curves, I want you to have an incredible time tonight with your lovely bride and enjoy the party gras. Would you say, Jamie? Yeah, that's what they're calling it. Yeah. Jamie, would you say you want – Curves to have nothing but a good time? Yeah, Curves, I want you to have nothing but a good time. Uh, You're welcome, well, Curves. Raising, what, what, yeah, just every rose has its thorn, and, <laughs> you know, I'll go, we'll just, 
<laughs> we'll sit out there with some fallen angels, I guess. There you go, buddy. There you go. All right. That's Chris Kerber, voice of the Blues, right, joining buddy. us. Kerbs, have a great time tonight, buddy. All right. Cheers, guys. Have a great weekend. All right. Take care. You too. All right, Alex, we come back. We've got a great little game here. Our guy, Marshy, I saw the smoke coming out of his ears earlier. Uh He's putting together this little segment coming up, and it's called Narrative or Reality, next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. ESPN, Jamie Rivers, Alex Ferrario in here until 4 o'clock. Our guy, Marshy, has got narrative or reality. All right, gentlemen, let's start off with Miles Michaelis and the ejection last night. A lot of people not too fond of the umpires, and they really haven't been fond of these umpires all season long. Narrative or reality? The umpires have screwed the Cardinals out of a few wins this season. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) I'm going to go narrative on this one. The umpires are crappy for every team in the league uh, at different times. They also sometimes make calls where I'm like, how the hell did he get that right? So just like anybody else, umpires have good days and bad days. I'm not going to sit here and say that they've screwed the Cardinals out of games. If you look at yesterday... Uh, not ideal to lose your starting pitcher in the first couple of, what, 14 pitches mm-hmm. in. But Michaelis went back to the well. He high and tight with the first one and then right back at it. I mean, yeah, well, it is what it is. But I, I'm, Alex, I don't know how you feel. For yeah. me, it's narrative. No, I'm the exact same way with you. Frankly, the reality from that game is Michaelis hits him on the first pitch. Michaelis is pitching the rest of that game and the Cardinals have a chance to win. Doesn't He misses there. You got to go back to the well like we talked about with BT. So, yeah, I just... There are certain situations when officiating is bad and ruins a game, but to say it has ruined a season or taken wins away, I'm going to say that's a narrative. We just talked with Chris Kerber, voice of the Blues right here on the Blues Radio Network, and we talked a little bit about Vladimir Tarasenko's situation. Narrative or reality, Tarasenko's off-ice situation led to his current contract and not his on-ice play. I'm going to say that this is reality, and I don't think it's just his off-ice issues that got him into this position. I think some of it is the flat cap that Curbs mentioned. I think some of it is the underwhelming performance with the Rangers that got him here. But I don't think it helps Vladimir Tarasenko of how it went down those last couple of years with the St. Louis Blues. And then you go to New York, you don't get the performance that maybe a lot of people were expecting from him. And then you hit the free agent market and watch everyone else go. So I'm going to say this is a little bit of reality. Yeah, I think it's narrative. And the reason I say narrative is because his on-ice play, too, contributed to this. Mm-hmm. So yeah. the reality of it, the whole situation is that you have this baggage that has followed this player from you know, the last handful of years. Whether it's just been the trade rumors, the injuries, the trade request, all that stuff happening. That's, that's one thing. But his on-ice play wasn't spectacular yeah. last year. No. Nope. In 38 games with the with the St. Louis Blues, he had 10 goals, 19 assists, 29 points. Not bad, but it really wasn't great 
you know, in New York, 31 games, eight goals, 13 assists, 21 points. Like that's not a, to me, that's not a $7.5 million player. Or a multi-year player around He's six, not a guy where I'm licking my chops going, I gotta have this guy. Right. Like if you would have put up 30 goals plus last year and you've got the, the white noise of the, the, the off-ice stuff, you're like, yeah, you know what? Maybe he just needed to change the scenery. When you have a guy that looked a little slower, too, by the way, mm-hmm. he didn't have that gear where what we're used to seeing, Vladdy, you know, that one or two quick strides and he's off to the races. It wasn't quite there last year, and that affected his offensive output. You couple that with, you know, all the extracurricular off ice, whatever you want to call it. I think that's where his value got diminished. And I think it also it. hurt him, too, Rivs, to where you lose a lot of teams that are willing to bring you in. And you cross a lot of teams off if you're Vladimir Tarasenko if it's only a one-year deal. So now you're just narrowing that gap even smaller and smaller and smaller to the teams that you'd be willing to go to. Let's go to the baseball diamond. The a narrative or reality, the Cardinals' stock in their offense is a direct result of their regressive defensive play. Okay, so this is offense versus defense. Where are they allocating more time is kind of what we're saying, right? Yes. And because they appear to spend more time on the offense to feel like the defense has suffered. Wow. Okay, so a couple things here. One, the defense certainly isn't what we're accustomed to seeing here. But I'm not around enough at the stadium to say that they're not spending the same amount of time. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I'd have to be at the ballpark every day watching what they're doing while there's BP going on. Who's taking ground balls? Who's out in the outfield shagging? Like, I'm just like, I don't have enough... Um, information to say that they're spending more time. Mm-hmm. Maybe they are, maybe they aren't. I, I don't know. Yeah, well, and two, if you just look at their defense and the falters that they have compared to how great the offense has been, and I'm assuming from this, uh, you're talking about how you're just giving more to the offense, you want the best offense in there and substitute the defense. Yep. I think you can say that in certain positions, like obviously at the catcher position, it's been that way. Mm-hmm. In right field or outfield, it's been that way because of Jordan Walker, but my rebuttal to that would be, what else are you doing? I mean, you absolutely play Andrew Kisner behind the plate, but you're not paying him $87.5 million. And I don't care that Jordan Walker is bad in the outfield. I know BK talks about it a lot, but hey, I need that bat and I need him to take some reps. So I would say this is more narrative than reality. We saw Aaron Rodgers take a pay cut, which I found to be hilarious and interesting. Narrative or reality, Aaron Rodgers is not as selfish as he was portrayed to be in Green Bay. Oh, I... I think I don't think he's a selfish guy. Okay, I think he's an arrogant guy. That's for sure. Um, <laughs> Very I true. I don't necessarily think he's selfish. A lot of his teammates that he's had, they speak highly of him. Like we haven't had the guy come out that's like, man, he's just the worst guy. And all about Aaron Rodgers. You'd think you'd have heard that by now, just based on the fact that he is so weird in what he does and mm-hmm. some of the things that somebody come out and be like, that guy's just an ass. Yeah. We haven't heard that. So I, I don't think he's a selfish player. I, I do think there there's a certain amount of ego involved in it too, though, where Aaron Rodgers, don't don't let it fool you here that he's such a great, great guy that he took a pay cut and all this. He took a pay cut because his ego doesn't want him to go to New York and fail. Mm-hmm. And by you know giving the team more money that they have to the, at their disposal, 
they can go put better players around them, which means when Aaron Rodgers got traded from Green Bay that didn't have a very good season last year to the New York Jets, and now the New York Jets are back in the playoffs, you know, vote Rodgers. He's the best (laughs) guy ever. That, too, plays into this. The poster boy teammate right now because of what he's doing in New York. Oh, yeah. I think the selfishness is more on just wanting to be out of Green Bay to get to New York. That's where the selfishness came into play. But I also understand where he's coming from as a player because Green Bay never really went after it in terms of the draft and players available to upgrade that team for him. So the selfishness came into in terms of just getting out of Green Bay. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't think this is more selfishness or great teammate more than this is just ego of him and not wanting to be a failure in New York when you're there for two years. We've seen Roman Berkey be spectacular this year for City SC in their inaugural season. Narrative or reality, City SC will falter in the second half if they don't tighten up defensively. Well, apparently using Club America as a guideline <laughs> was dumb. So, because uh, they're like rock stars. Well, the good news for the for City is none of the MLS teams are as good as Club America, right? Yeah, exactly. And, you know, so far the defense for St. Louis City SC has managed to do okay now, thanks to Roman Berkey, because he's yeah. been fantastic as well. I, I don't know if I'm using last night's game as any kind of a guideline. I think, if nothing else, it was a little bit of a reminder as to you know you guys aren't the best thing in soccer there are teams that are better and there's teams in the mls they're going to push them maybe not quite as much as club america did last night but nonetheless there's still some very talented teams uh, in the mls and it's not going to be an easy ride from here through the playoffs yeah the reality is for me with this which is why i would take this as a narrative is in the mls in terms of your competition this season you clearly have the best goaltender and when it comes to goal differential you're the best team which means you're scoring a ton your offense is one of the best if not the best and roman berkey despite your defense struggling has allowed you to have the second or third least amount of goals allowed so i would say this is a narrative because city's probably one of the best in the mls in all areas Last one here, narrative or reality, the Cardinals will ultimately regret extending Jack Flaherty or Jordan Hicks if they so do if they do so. Well, I'll go with reality because that's kind of what the projection is here. You know, Jack Flaherty can't stay healthy and he's had some inconsistencies in this game. He hasn't been able to be steady all the time. And with Jordan Hicks, he's had some he had some injury problems as well. And you look at the start of the season, and Jordan Hicks was about to be DFA'd. And now he's pitching great, which is fine, but can is that sustainable? So I think the odds are greater that they would regret it than not. So I'll go with reality. I'm a very strong adamant this is reality. I, You're <laughs> re-signing two guys that have had one good season each. And Jack Flaherty had 2019 half, and he had the half of 2021 before he got injured. And then, of course, he's pitching well right now. But you're extending him for that track record and probably giving him three, four, maybe five years. And Jordan Hicks, you're re-signing him for the next three years to be your closer, and he's been that for half of a season. So I think this would be a massive regret for this Cardinals team in terms of keeping these guys rather than trading them for prospects. That was narrative or reality here on the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. Coming up next, we've got Levi Weaver from The Athletic who covers the Texas Rangers. We're going to get to the bottom of this Jordan Hicks thing next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. 
Welcome back to the Fast Lane here on 101 ESPN. We head out to the celebrity line right now to be joined by Levi Weaver, uh, who writes the Wind Up MLB newsletter for The Athletic. Levi, how are we doing today? Are you sure you got me on the right uh, line here? Like, celebrity, that feels that feels like strong <laughs> phrasing for me. Well, just, uh, just, just the guy. <laughs> well, Levi, I'm looking at your Twitter page right now, and I have some questions. One, you do, you got your profile picture is that of a celebrity. You've got the shades going on, you're dressed up, you got the fur hat. <laughs> so I like that look, but. <laughs> My question is your Twitter handle. I, I was going to throw it out there to our listeners, but it's, is sure. it at 32EFUS? Yeah, yeah, that's it. Okay, what's the backstory on that? <laughs> uh, when I was 20, I, I was playing in some like uh, independent little baseball league in Fort Worth, Texas, and they wanted me to pitch. I had never pitched in high school. I was always an infielder, but I was like, sure, I'll give it a shot. And I was predictably terrible. And so I gave up a couple of runs. We had a one-run lead, and I'm, like, just trying to get out of the inning. Got a full count. And uh, you guys remember Rookie of the Year where, like, uh, his his arm goes back to normal. And yes. Like and he, <laughs> yes. He, looks over, he looks over, and his mom was like, throw the floater. <laughs> and so he just throws this, like, 24-mile-an-hour pitch. So I, like, wound up really big, and I'm kicking the dirt and acting really angry. And I threw the floater. And uh, the guy grounded out to second base, and I got out of it. So just sort of like that was my uh, my one moment. It's the only time I've ever pitched, ever, at any level. And um, I was like, yeah, you know, maybe when the stakes are high, be a little bit less serious and throw the floater once in a while. So that's that's where the name came from. I love it, man. I absolutely love it. We got a uh, little or minor or high school baseball league story in there mixed in with rookie of the year. That's, that's how win- you win all of our hearts. That's winning right there. <laughs> all right, Levi, we have been kicking around some things today for obvious reasons, but the one thing that got us stirred up today was Bob Nightingale on Twitter. He wrote this, The Texas Rangers are aggressively pursuing Cardinals closer Jordan Hicks. Hicks is a free agent at the end of the season. will be moved only if the Cardinals can't sign into a contract extension before Tuesday. So the Cardinals mm-hmm. apparently here, just to give you a little backstory, are having trouble getting this contract extension done with Jordan Hicks. So the Texas right. Rangers now on the radar. Uh, what do you think of this news? It makes sense. I mean, the bullpen is kind of been just bugaboo all year. Uh, they've already made one move. They acquired a Rollis Chapman, which, but talking about guys that don't throw the floater, can you imagine a Rollis Chapman and Jordan Hicks <laughs> yeah, in the same bullpen? Nightmare. <laughs> Um, so, yeah, I mean, they're definitely looking for bullpen help. I know Ken Rosenthal reported this week that they had been in the mix on Lance Lynn and Joe Kelly, which, who, you know, those two just uh, were traded to the Dodgers, so that option is gone. Uh, I, I do think they probably want another starter as well and definitely need some bullpen help. So it makes sense. It's a good matchup. You know, I know the, the Cardinals have some starting pitching that is set to hit free agency as well, so maybe the Rangers are looking to swing a two-for-one. Um, from what I understand, the Cardinals are looking for, they're not trying to jump into a big three or four year, you know, rebuild where they do the, you know, lose a hundred games for half a decade thing. Looking for guys that are kind of like on the verge of being able to contribute at the big league level. And the Rangers have quite a few of those in, in their pitching ranks. You know, I mean, they just traded Cole Reagans, Cody Bradford, I think could be available. And you got those guys like Owen White. You know, Glenn Otto is kind of a youngish guy that they got in, in the uh, Joey Gallo trade a year or two ago. Um, Spencer Howard is still around. I don't know how much value he's got as a starting pitcher right now. 
is, has Jack Leiter decreased his value to the point where he's available? I don't know, but they've got some guys uh, that are going to be in the big leagues in the next year or two that I think could be could fit that sort of like you know what the Cardinals are looking for um, sort of setting. So Levi, with that being said, specifically on pitching for the Cardinal sides, they need help in their rotation and obviously some bullpen help. But I think the rotation is the part that the Cardinals are really trying to target this trade deadline. Do any of those names that you brought up kind of signify guys who could be somewhere between the two or four range in a rotation for the Cardinals next year? I think Glenn Otto is going to be a solid number four, I think. He's had some uh, injury issues this year, but has had flashes. Uh, you know, when he was in the minor leagues before he got called up, he hardly walked anybody. Got to the big leagues, and I think just that adjustment period, he walked a few guys, but definitely has had flashes that he shows like, it's in there. It's just not consistent yet, and I think that's just kind of the nature of guys that are making their way into the big leagues. Um, he, he seems like a guy that can do that. Owen White, I'm still not sure if he's going to be a starting pitcher or a reliever. His velo has dipped a little bit this year. Um, you know, I think Jack Leiter probably still profiles as a starter, but you know, probably not in the big leagues next year, so he may be a little further off. And I'm not sure that the Rangers are ready to give up on him and trade you know, so low. Um, on lighter for a guy that is ostensibly going to be a rental. I, I assume if Hicks is not going to sign an extension in St. Louis, he's probably not going to do that in Texas or wherever he lands either. So, um, yeah, there there are some guys. Cody Bradford can be a starter around that four-ish uh, area. To be quite honest, I'm not I'm not sure that the Cardinals are going to be able to get somebody that profiles as a two for a rental relief pitcher, you know, it's not somebody that's going to be ready by next year. Now, maybe a guy that's got a few years off and, you know, 2026, he comes up and he's got potential to be in the number two. Okay. Maybe. Levi, um, if the Cardinals were to put together a package, let's say Hicks and, you know, player X, Y, or Z, something that has value that the Rangers are kind of coveting as well as the pitching, yeah, an interesting name that Alex and I have talked about. We just had Brad Thompson in here and he kind of kicked it around too. Uh, is Kumar Rocker. Uh, I know that the Rangers have you know a good chunk of change invested in this young man, and I know he's he's on the mend. But would that be would that be a player that you think they'd be willing to part with for the right package? Um, for the right package, yes. I'm not sure that that package is going to be guys that are going to hit free agency at the end of this year, though. Um, the, the Rangers have been interesting, right? They, like they've made some very aggressive moves since Chris Young took over their, their free agency. Uh, the last two years has been very aggressive. They brought in, you know, Seager and Simeon and John Gray that first year brought in Evaldi and DeGrom and Heaney last year. So they're not afraid to go make some splashes. Uh, I'm going to be really interested to see if that level of aggression, I mean, they did that with the draft too, drafting Kumar in the first round so they could take him under slot. It worked out great because then they were able to afford Brock Porter later. Um, but I haven't really seen that in the trade deadline uh, yet because they haven't really been buyers. This is their first time. So I'm kind of watching this with bated breath as well to see if they're going to get aggressive enough to like, yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe that's in the, in the DNA of like, if it takes Kumar Rocker to get the things that we think we need to, to be the favorites in the AL, maybe so. I, I would be a little surprised if they sell low on him too, you know, given his injury. Um, he's not going to be back until next year. His value is probably lower than it would be if he had, obviously, you know, stayed healthy and succeeded this year. Uh, Levi, with that 
being said, the Cardinals have heard that teams are calling about outfielders, and obviously a lot of people in St. Louis know some of the outfielders that the Rangers had, including Adolis Garcia, but if that package were to include, say, a Dylan Carlson or a Tyler O'Neill, would that be something that Texas would get to the point and say, okay, now we can look at being aggressive if they're getting a relief pitcher or a starting pitcher and some control with a Dylan Carlson? Yeah, that might be the ticket. You know, left field, it seems like every year I've done this sort of practice where I go back and look at, like, how many left fielders have the Rangers had since David Murphy left (laughs) to Cleveland? And that was, like, after the 20, I think it was 2011 or 2012 season. And they've had something like 60 left fielders. (laughs) There is not just, there hasn't been anybody. And, you know, Evan Carter is probably on the brink of coming up at some point between him and Leody Tavares. Dustin Harris is down there somewhere. You know, they just drafted this kid from Florida that's probably going to be a left fielder at some point soon. Um, you know, I don't think he's going to be in the big leagues next year, but you never know. So I feel like they've got some candidates, but yeah, I mean, right now left field is uh, Travis Jankowski, who's having a great year for Travis Jankowski, but can you count on that hot streak to continue through the postseason? Got to say, probably not. He's probably better profiled as a fourth outfielder. Ezekiel Duran has had a very good year as a young guy, but he may end up being trade big because he's not naturally an outfielder. Um, and then, you know, it's like Robbie Grossman, who is, I think, very expendable. So, yeah, if they get, a, if they get an outfielder that's got a, another couple of years or a year or two of control um, left, then, yeah, maybe that's the extra trade chip that makes it where the Cardinals get somebody like a, a more recognizable name than your uh, Glenn Ottos and Owen White's. He's Levi Weaver. He writes the wind-up for MLB newsletter for The Athletic. You can check him out on Twitter, at 32EFIS. Uh, Levi, we thank you so much for your time today, and certainly thank you for your insight. Yeah, of course. Happy to do it. All right. Thanks a lot. Take care, Levi. All right. So, Alex, um, a lot to to digest there. Uh, I think the one thing that was kind of sobering for me was that there may not be as much value out there for Jordan Hicks as we thought. Yeah, I mean, honestly... I don't know if you're really getting anything of value back. You're probably getting bullpen help back. That's what it sounds like, because all of the starting pitchers he's talking about, and I'm looking at the top prospect list of the Texas Rangers, and the guys that he listed off, like Jack Leiter makes sense, but, I mean, you're talking about a guy who's in double-A right now, who's 23, and struggling to say the least in 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 double a and kumar rocker who we brought up he's an a ball so they don't have guys that you look at and you say oh yeah they're a part of your rotation next year with the exception of maybe a couple the guy that he mentioned is a guy that bk's brought up cody bradford it's a left-handed guy who's pitching at the majors right now with texas he started five games but has been more used as a relief pitcher think what you got in terms of giovanni gallegos from the new york yankees If you're trading Jordan Hicks, you're probably bringing in a name that could be in your bullpen next year with potentially the upside of being a starting pitcher. It'll be interesting to see anyways. We'll find out. The deadline is, what, Tuesday, right? Yeah, Tuesday, 5 o'clock. A lot of action going on between now and then. I'll tell you what, a lot of action coming up next, too. We've got the gauntlet. We need a new contestant, don't we, Marshy? New contestant to the gauntlet. So text us at 314-399-9646. Alex, thank you so much. Are uh, you sticking around I'm for sticking one more? I'll do the gauntlet with you guys, if that's all right. Alex sticking around for Just one more case. segment here. But the gauntlet coming up next here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Three warriors, four categories, one challenger. Can you master the gauntlet? 
Brought to you by Master, your hometown source for business communications for more than 30 years. Visit Mastor.com. Four o'clock here in the fast lane on 101 ESPN. Time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an official provider of Rolex jewelry. It is now time for the gauntlet, and I believe we've got Jake today in the gauntlet. Jake, how we doing? Good. How are you guys? Good, buddy. We're Fantastic. Good. All right, Jake. Um, I guess uh, today you, you got uh, Marshy, myself, or Alex to pick from. Who are you who are you going to take down in the first match? Uh, let's go with Marsh. Marshy Marsh. Marsh. DJ Marshy Marsh. All right. So while Marshy cues up the wheel here. All right. Jake, tell Marshy to spin that wheel. Spin that wheel, Marsh. All right. What category do you absolutely not want today, Jake? Uh, baseball. Baseball. All right. Well, good news. It's not baseball. Now, what would be the category that you absolutely must have? Probably football. All right, bad news. It's not football. You got random right today, my friend. You got random. So as I open up things here. Got to unlock the folder, yeah, the documents. The, the launch codes. We've got random. There we go. Okay, Alex, here is your copy. Thank you, sir. And I feel all professional. like. Oh, yeah. All right, Jake. Um. This is how it's going to work. Each, each question's worth two points if you answer correctly without the options. If you use the options, answer correctly, it's one point. And, of course, if you get it wrong, well, you just get it wrong. It's zero points. Jake, are you ready to go, my man? Uh, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Sounds so confident, Jake. I yeah, I don't like your attitude yeah. right now, Jake. Come on, buddy. All right, question one. Which state has hosted the most PGA championships? Uh, give me the options. All right. Is it Florida, Ohio, or New York? New York. I said like a New York. New York. I'm going to say Florida, final answer. All righty. Number two, Jake. In honor of Shark Week, what is the biggest type of shark in the ocean? Uh, give me the options again. All right. Is it a tiger shark? Great white shark or a whale shark? I'm going to say whale shark. I'll answer. All right, Jake. Question number three. Which, this is, this one's great. Which number between one and 100 has the most syllables? My goodness, Grant. Yowzers. Um, I'm going to take a guess and say 87, final answer. All right. Uh, I'm, I'm with you. I'm kind of like puzzled too. I on sat one. there and tried to figure that one out for a while. Final one, Jake. What is the primary stress hormone? Options. Is it cortisol, adrenaline, adenosine? Probably pronouncing that last one wrong. Yeah, close enough. <laughs> uh, let's take that one then. Final answer. <laughs> <laughs> Go with the one mispronounced. Understandable. All right. Tallying them. 
All right, we're trying to find Marshy. He was in the cone of silence. Uh, then Marshy probably he ran down the hallway. Took the bathroom break, or he's probably trying to count how many. Oh no, well he's not listening, so why no, would he? He's not. All right, Marshy's back into the studio. Jake, how you feeling, buddy? Not good. All righty. Well, we won't tell Marshy. Oh, there's Marshy. All right. Marshy, how was the cone of silence today? I saw you run down the hallway. Yeah, we're just making sure things. Your lapsing? Were you? Was an accident about to happen? No, no, not like before. You look like you're gripping the cheeks a little bit. Oh, you had one there. of those before? Yeah, I missed a whole show because of it, Alex. Yeah, it was like three hours. Allegedly. We lost him in the bathroom. I had that yesterday. Allegedly. Marshy was notorious during Blue's uh, broadcast to leave as soon as the puck dropped and wouldn't see him until inter uh, intermission. Well, don't take it personal, Alex. Is <laughs> fabricated. <laughs> <laughs> and that was a, hey, every time I go, they end up scoring. Let's just make this so somewhat of a tradition. So even if I didn't have to go, I still went. Drop a Adam deuce to boy. score a deuce. Yeah. Commitment, Marshy. Commitment. Yep. Well, you better pack a lunch here today. All right. All right, Marshy, your category is random. All right. Question number one. Which state has hosted the most PGA championships? Oh, wow. Definitely need the options on that one. All right. Is it Florida, Ohio, or New York? Hmm. Mm-mm-mm. I had Florida in my mind. The weather's nicer there than the other states. Um, just for that reason, I'm going to go with Florida. Final answer. All righty, Marshy. Question number two. In honor of Shark Week, what is the biggest type of shark in the ocean? Oh, man. I wish Anthony was here to help me with that. <laughs> no, it's uh, not the San Jose yeah, shark. No, these are, different. The these are different types of sharks. Uh, I mean... The Megalodon? I, mean, I don't know. Is that even a real shark? There's a couple documentaries it's about great it. There's movie. actually one coming out. Yeah, new one coming soon, out. Soon, yeah. Uh, let's go. I mean, I'm thinking great white, but let's let's just use the options. All right. Is it a tiger shark, a great white shark, or a whale shark? Ooh. I don't think it's a tiger shark. I think those are a little bit smaller. I think they swim closer to the reef. I, could, I mean, I'm just spitballing here. I have no idea if that's actually true. Whale shark. Need to brush up on your shark week. People think whales or whale shark could be big because they think of whales being big. I think it might be a misdirect by Grant. He likes to do that a lot. So I'm going to stick with my first answer of great white final answer. All right. Man, that process of elimination was wow. phenomenal. Oh, welcome welcome to my process, Alex. <laughs> Sweet. Your brain is a dangerous place like Jamie's. I'm sure I'll get all zeros like last time. Well, we'll find out. Question three. <laughs> this one's easy, Marshy. Oh, uh, which number between 1 and 100 has the most syllables? Take us through your hmm. brain now because... No, don't. My gosh. <laughs> it's just crickets. <laughs> <laughs> so it's got to be 70 something. 90, 80, 70. 77. Final answer. All righty, final one, Marshy. What is the primary stress hormone? You can't say BK. Primary That's my primary stress primary hormone. Primary stress hormones? <laughs> I have Secondary no option idea. would be Tanner. 
<laughs> is it A? I'm assuming you were taking the options. Yeah. Okay. Is it A, cortisol? B, adrenaline? C, adenosine? So what were the what were the, what were the three options? Cortisol. Okay. Adrenaline. Adenosine. For stress. Yeah, stress hormone. Um. I think that last one sounds familiar. I'm not even going to repeat what it is. Uh, because I don't know how to say it. Let's go with the last one you said, final answer. All right. Let's start right there. Question number four. What is the primary stress hormone? Jake said adenosine or adenosine, whatever. It's uh, one of the two. Yeah, one of the two. Marshy, you also said that same word. I'm not going to butcher again. <laughs> <laughs> Alex, the answer is adenosine. Yes. Nope, I lied. It's cortisol. No. It's cortisol. <laughs> How would you do that? That was brutal. Wasn't <laughs> Had to get it? the excitement. Had to build your uh, cortisol hormone there, there for a minute. There you go. All right. So uh, nobody gets anything on that one. Let's go to question number one. Which state has hosted the most PGA championships? Jake, you said Florida. Marsha, you said the sun's out way more in Florida. Let's just go with Florida. I didn't say it like that. Kind of. I heard the tone. A little bit. The answer is... It's the Big Apple, New York. Yeah, where it's sunny New all the York. time. Uh, Alex, can I get a score update, please? Uh, yeah, that's a big goose egg, Jamie. Uh-huh. To a big goose egg. Oh, boy. All right. Question number two. In honor of Shark Week, what is the biggest type of shark in the ocean? Jake, you took the option, said whale shark. Marshy, you had a whole breakdown for us. And then you didn't believe in Grant. You thought he was out to screw you over. I don't like where this is. And you said you're going to stick with your original one. And you said, Great White Shark. Alex, answer is? Never doubt Grant Francis. It's a whale shark. It is the whale shark. Do you know, Marsh, you know how big those things are? They're whales. A A Great White is like it's big, but it's not Jaws here. Jaws is pretty big. Jaws was fictitious, though. Jaws was more like a megalodon. Wait, Jaws was fake? Well, you know what I mean. Steven Spielberg didn't base it off of a true story. What? It was weird. I saw it, actually. Sorry. Either way, it was whale shark. So that (laughs) puts Jake up one nothing right now. Final question of the day. Both of you gave different answers. Mm. Which number between one and 100 has the most syllables? Jake, without the options, said 87. Marshy, without the options, said 77. If Marshy's right, he'll win today in the gauntlet. If you're both wrong, Jake wins. If Jake is right, he obviously wins. The answer is... Oh, it's Pierre Turgeon, 77. Jake! You have chosen poorly. You lose! (laughs) Jake, he got you there with the last question, buddy. Sorry about that. Yeah, that's not a good effort, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, random can be tricky, buddy. That's for sure. Especially in Grant's head. 
thank you, guys. All right, Jake. Thanks <laughs> Good a job, lot. Jake. Thanks for listening, man. Thanks for playing. We'll talk to you soon. See ya. All right, see you later. All right, so um, man, Martian, like that was impressive. The seventy-seven was impressive. That was quick too. It was really quick. It was it was somewhat imp- not somewhat. It was very impressive because, like the one that I thought nobody had a chance on, just because like with the time constraints, you're kind of yeah. like thinking yeah, quickly. Stressed. Sometimes you don't think clearly. Marshy's like he's like Rain Man on that one. <laughs> he's like it's seventy. It's definitely seventy. Seventy-seven. Well, you know he, he was <laughs> dialed in. It's such a smart process because as as you did that, I'm thinking like, okay, well you're gonna go 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70. Okay, seventy's the longest, and then you go through like you did of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Yeah. It was smart. It was really impressive. Well, once I hit seventy, and I'm like, okay, well if seven's, 80, if seven's the number, then then I have to double seven's it. Seven's the number, not eight. Not eight-minute abs, seven-minute abs. I don't know what that's from. That's all right. Am I dating myself? <laughs> a little bit. Or are you dating yourself? Oh, probably the latter, for yes. sure. <laughs> all right, Alex, uh, thanks a lot for sticking around. Yes, uh, sir. Alex Ferrario headed out. BK, Brandon, Kylie going to be joining the fast lane. And we got the lineup coming oh. up next here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It's that time of the day. It's time for the lineup. We've got a little technical difficulties going on here. I don't know if we've got BK or not on the line. Marsha, have we got him or not? No, I don't know. Marsha won't talk to me. Yeah, we got him. I I believe we got him. Let's bring him in. BK, are you there, my man? I'm here. Can you see me? Can you hear me? Oh, I'm so happy to see you. Oh, look wonderful, my man. You look wonderful. How we doing, fellas? We're good. Now, this is the uh, circle of trust here. Have you seen the lineup yet today? I have not. I have been trying to figure out the technical difficulties that we've had here locally. I know that Matthew Libertor is up. That's as far as I know. Okay. All right. Well, he's not going to be part of our lineup game, but we can talk about that after. Do you know who's starting on the bump for the Cubs? Because I just keep getting undecided on ESPN. I have not seen who's starting for them officially. All right. Well. Are they going bullpen today? Yeah, I think there's like a starter bullpen. So the the latest one I've seen is that they haven't yet named who started. So I don't know. The text line here is wonderful. So mm-hmm. 314-399-9646. If you guys can uh, figure out who the heck is starting for the Cubs, would be greatly appreciated because we know Ollie, he just goes with the matchups, <laughs> you know? So we're kind it of flying sounds, blind here. It sounds like it's one of their top prospects, this Hayden Wazinski character is he a righty or a lefty Hayden Wazinski is a right-handed pitcher okay that makes it thank you very much okay so we go here our lead off are we going Brendan Donovan of course why break or why fix or what's not broken you know the whole thing yeah no that was well said (laughs) very well said (laughs) show us Brendan Donovan please sorry guys okay well we're starting off hot there BK Okay, so if it's not Donovan, does he go to Newt here? I mean, I guess. Oh, oh, Jamie, I didn't even think about this. What? Uh, I bet you Wilson Contreras is DHing tonight. Okay. Because of the whole head thing last night, I'm guessing they're not going to want him behind the plate. And Brendan Donovan, as you may know, 
uh, can't throw right now. Oh, that's right. So it's probably Lars Newbar that's going to be at the top of the lineup. Yeah, information I should have uh, had sooner. That's on me. That's not on you. <laughs> uh, that's my own head injury that caused that one. Uh, show us Lars Newbar. One, two, three, four. I'm grinding. I'm grinding. I love that one so much. <laughs> Is that a new one? Yeah. Oh, yeah. We had Marshy change all the sounders because we thought we were going to change the Cardinals' luck. That didn't work, but they're funny nonetheless. All right, so we got the Newt batting first. I think this is Paul Goldschmidt, right? Nothing to really argue about here. Absolutely. No reason to argue here. Show us Paul Goldschmidt. Oh, you're... See, Marshy, another rule here, BK, because you've been out for a little bit, is if they don't hit, we don't play their sounder. Uh Okay, so, so you, know you basically the, are pulling the ollie, but with the sounders. Exactly, and we hold them accountable that way. Okay, in the three-hole here, this one's been tricky a little bit because Ollie has massaged Arnado in there from time to time, and with Donovan out at the top of the order, does he go Gorman here, or does he go Arnado? My guess would be Arenado here. He's been more open to the idea of hitting Arenado third lately, so I would go Arenado here, but I will defer, Jamie, to your opinion oh on the boy. matter. Uh, I always like me some Storm and Gorman, but he has gone to Nolan Arenado here recently, so I'm, I'm going to go with what I've seen from Ollie here in the past little bit. Let's show us Nolan Arenado. No, no, no. Son of a... I knew it, BK. You were, you were wrong. I'm just kidding. That's on me. All right, it's got to be Storm and Gorman. Show us Nolan Gorman. Oh, wow. He didn't. Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah. He's got to play better to get the sounder. All right, bat and cleanup then. Uh, BK, I think this is a no brainer, right? Do you want to do the honors or would you like me to, Jamie? I would like you to do it. Nolan Arado! Nolan is a security like guard at the lumber yard. <laughs> All right. Batting fifth, is this where uh, Big Willie steps in? It's gotta be. D.H. Wilson Contreras. All right, Marshy, show us that Big Willie Contreras. Wilson, are you naked? <laughs> no, Tim, I'm wearing a hat. <laughs> All right, Contreras. At the five spot. Okay, so at this point, I feel like this is Gorman in the six. Yeah, I like I like Gorman here. Or wait, we got Gorman batting third, right? Oh, yeah. My bad. There's the head injury coming in again. Um, <laughs> I would assume either O'Neal or Walker here, probably. He's like, he, he, he's he been hot on Tyler O'Neal in that spot. Yeah. Show us Tyler O'Neal. My fingers hurt. Oh, well, now your back's going to hurt. Because you just pull landscaping duty. <laughs> They're so good. They're I think, so good. I think, <laughs> I think BK's speechless after. <laughs> He's just shaking his head. Uh, that That's one of my favorites. We used that the other day. Uh, <laughs> T-Bone pulled it out, and I was dead. I was just dying. <laughs> All right, seven spot here. Um, I, I would think it's Walker. BK, what do you think? It's got to be. If they don't play Walker again, man, this will be like four off days in the last eight. It, you've got to play him eventually. So Jordan Walker, I would go with right here. Show us Jordan Walker. All right. Oh, Marshy, Marshy digs back into the archives to make sure he gets the sounder or not. 
Okay, eight. What are we missing here now? Because so we got the shortstop still and a catcher. Okay. So I'm guessing Kisner's your catcher today. So I would think DeYoung would be here, but who knows, man? They've been going modern sometimes as well. So. Did you see that monster shot from Kisner yesterday? It was amazing. Couple of them. Yeah. He'll be batting ninth. Show us Paul DeYoung. What a shame. Oh, boy. All right. Um, hmm. Kisner here, BK? I I'm guessing that means that Kisner. Or is right Modder catching he he today? He earned his, his move up. <laughs> or is Modder catching today? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's in play. All right. Show us Andrew Kisner. I'm the captain now. There we go. All right. Kiz Daddy. So, is this Paul DeYoung? We need a shortstop. It's so, got to yeah. be either DeYoung De or Modder. Oh, Modder, that's call, right. Jamie. Modder played yesterday, didn't he? Yep. Yeah, no thanks. I'll go Paul DeYoung, please. All right, Marshy, run it for us. All right, gentlemen. Leading off, playing center field, Lars Taylor Tattoo Newt Bar. Batting second, first baseman, Paul Goldschmidt. Batting third, second baseman, Nolan Gorman. The cleanup hitter, third baseman, Nolan Arenado. Batting fifth, the DH, Wilson Contreras. Batting sixth in left field, Tyler O'Neill. Batting seventh in right field, Jordan Walker. Batting eighth, the catcher, Andrew Kisner. And batting ninth, the shark staff. Paul DeYoung. Back, 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 back. Stay fair! Go fair, go fair! I don't believe what I just saw! Home run! All right, Marcia, how about an update on the home run standings for us? Jamie, you have seven. I have two. Dan still has three. And Anthony, he's catching up to you. He has four. Ooh, baby. All right. So, BK, I'm, I'm sure you're aware we pick a guy to hit a home run. And the stipulation is that it's the first Cardinals home run of the game. So, who's is it me that's up? Yes, you have honors. Okay. Uh, Right-handed pitcher here. This guy did not have a hit his last game. I think he's going to be three sheets of pissed off. I'm going Nolan Gorman for the home run. Who's next? You got you? We'll give it to BK. Yeah, you will. Okay. Um, you know what? I've been pretty impressed with the at-bats we've seen from Tyler O'Neill since his return. I'm going to go Bro Neal. Gets himself a Ding Dong Johnson tonight. Yeah. Not a bad call, buddy, at all. All right, Marshy, what do you got? Uh, you know what? I think after getting hit in the head last night, Wilson Contreras <laughs> is going to hit the ball out of the ballpark. So he is my... Home run hitter tonight. Well, he's been hitting the ball really well lately, so. All right, so I've got Gorman. BK has Tyler O'Neill, and our guy Marshy has Wilson Contreras. BK, we, we just got off the phone with our guy Levi Weaver in mm -hmm. Texas, and he had some interesting things to say regarding Jordan Hicks. I want to get into that with you next here on 101 ESPN. Back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It's a Fast Lane here on 101 ESPN. 
Uh, Jamie Rivers with you here from 4 to 6, the rest of the show. And we got uh, our guy BK joining us from uh, from now until the end of the show as well. And BK, we had Levi Weaver on earlier. He's a, a writer for The Athletic down in Texas, You know, covers the Rangers primarily. And he said some interesting things uh, when we talked to him, but I'm going to set it up here. I asked him flat out, I said, what do you think the Cardinals could potentially get in a Jordan Hicks trade? And here's what he had to say. I think Glenn Otto is going to be a solid number four, I think. He's had some uh, injury issues this year, but he has had flashes. Uh, you know, when he was in the minor leagues before he got called up, he hardly walked anybody. Got to the big leagues, and I think just that adjustment period, he walked a few guys, but definitely has had flashes that he shows, like, it's in there. It's just not consistent yet, and I think that's just kind of the nature of guys that are making their way into the big leagues. Um, he, he seems like a guy that can do that. Owen White, I'm still not sure if he's going to be a starting pitcher or a reliever. His velo has dipped a little bit this year. You know, I think Jack Leiter probably still profiles as a starter, but you know, probably not in the big leagues next year, so he may be a little further off. And I'm not sure that the Rangers are ready to give up on him and trade you know, so low um, on Leiter for a guy that is ostensibly going to be a rental. I, I assume if Hicks is not going to sign an extension in St. Louis, he's probably not going to do that in Texas or wherever he lands either. So, um, yeah, there, there are some guys. Cody Bradford can be a starter around that four-ish uh, area. To be quite honest, I'm not I'm not sure that the Cardinals are going to be able to get somebody that profiles as a two for a rental relief pitcher. So based on that, BK, my question, I guess I was a little bit surprised. And I said to the guys here, I said it was kind of a sobering moment to think that maybe you're not going to get all that much for Jordan Hicks. What do you think the Cardinals could get for him? Well, I mean. I guess it depends. Like, what do you think you're going to get for Jordan Hicks right now? Because yeah, I don't I... know. I was partly insane, okay? I was <laughs> expecting big things, and when I heard what he rhymed off, I was kind of like, Ugh, I don't really like that. So, like, let's use the the trade that we saw go down earlier today as an example, right? The Dodgers got, or they, they got Lance Lynn and Joe Kelly. That is a rental starter and a rental reliever. And in return... What they sent out was an upside starter that's currently at double-A and a reliever that throws like 98 miles per hour currently at double-A. I would take that for Jordan Hicks. Like, if you got a deal like that for Jordan Hicks and Jordan Montgomery and you had paired those two up, I would say the Cardinals did pretty well on that trade. And what they're probably getting in return in that deal uh, for Lynn and Kelly, it's like a number three starter, maybe. A guy that profiles next year to probably be like a number five starter at best. And then later on can work his way up into your rotation. But the leisure kid that they got in that deal is a potential back end of the bullpen type of an arm, maybe one or two years down the road. So I think if you got like just the bullpen reliever, for example, for Jordan Hicks, you might feel okay about it. That's a little underwhelming. If you got that starter in return for Jordan Hicks, you're feeling pretty damn good, man. I think the biggest thing that the Cardinals have to decide on a deal like this is twofold. One, are you looking for upside or are you looking for certainty? And two, are you looking for quantity or quality? And those things all kind of go together. But if they're looking for multiple prospects in return, you're not getting the same kind of headliner. But if you're looking for one player getting that back for Jordan Hicks, then you have to decide on the upside versus certainty. Because the certainty route, uh, Jamie... That is something that I find to be really interesting with them. You mentioned Cody Bradford. He's a starting pitcher slash reliever right now for the Texas Rangers. He has been a starter in the big leagues already. 
He's 25 years old. Next year, he's going to be 26. He could come in and be a number five starter for the Cardinals next year. But he's more of what they have currently. Not great swing and miss stuff. Probably profiles best to be a back end of the starter the entirety of his career. Not like a ton of prospect status or anything like that. So I think that it all comes back to this, Jamie. What do you want for Jordan Hicks? What are you hoping to acquire at this deadline? Because I think that ultimately informs what they're going to be searching for. Yeah, so I think where I am with this whole situation, and I'm not blinded just by how good Jordan Hicks has pitched recently. I am aware that he was almost potentially DFA'd at the start of the season to where they were not happy. He couldn't find his game and all I, I'm aware of all that. But I guess I guess the more I think of it, the more I, I wonder about an extension for this guy. And and sometimes the player you have is worth more than the player you can acquire meaning how valuable he can be for your team. Now, three years is excessive for me. If that's what he's looking for, I just don't know if I'd be ready to go there. Two years, I would be. I could be sold on that. One year, it's a lock. I would sign him in a heartbeat for a one-year contract extension. But I think Jordan Hicks is going to want a little more certainty than a one-year deal. Why? Because he's been inconsistent. Because he's had some ups and downs. And so the player in that situation is going to want a little more guarantee, uh, especially when it comes to term. So I I don't know. I, I, I flop back and forth between wanting to keep him and wanting to trade him and, and trading him just because and just acquiring a player that might never actually be in your lineup. I, I don't know if I'm ready for that. Now, you brought up a couple of guys you know, that are in the Dodgers trade, number three and a five starter. I guess if you could get a bona fide starter, and what I mean by that is anywhere from one to five, it'd probably be a four or five, I would be thrilled with that. But again, the certainty isn't necessarily there. You're not guaranteed to get that. So that's where I toggle between keeping Jordan Hicks and dealing him. Yeah, I just wouldn't keep him. Like, I, I I, see almost zero reason to keep a bullpen arm at this point in the season. Your team is going nowhere. If you really want to bring back Jordan Hicks, you can do that in the offseason. Like, we don't have to make this a thing where it's an either-or. It can be a, you trade him now and you pull the Araldis Chapman, where you then sign him in the offseason. Now, I also wouldn't do that. I think bringing back a bullpen arm, and I think Jordan Hicks is going to command three years or more on his new extension, whenever that is, or his new contract, wherever that may be. I think he's going to get three-plus years, and I would not sign really just about any bullpen arm to a three-plus-year deal. We've seen it with Hicks already. Just look back at any three-year stretch so far of his Major League career and tell me what you would pay for that three-year stretch of his Major League career. Because... It's erratic, man. And Hicks is not alone in that regard. Look back to Andrew Miller. Nobody thought that was going to be a disaster contract when they signed it, but he's a bullpen arm, so it ends up being a disaster. Nobody, the Cardinals certainly didn't expect whenever they went out and uh, jumped the market to get another lefty in Cecil for that thing to go awry, but it did because these things tend to go south. You look down to the Houston Astros. I think they're pretty smart at this stuff, right, Jamie? Like they're, They're pretty good at this stuff. Well, they last offseason signed a bullpen arm that helped them win the World Series to a three-year extension, and this year that guy has a 6 ERA. And it's part of why they had to trade for Graveman earlier today and give up a top 100 prospects to get him. I'm just not doing it. I would not re-sign Jordan Hicks, despite how great he has obviously been for the Cardinals over the last three months. I would not sign him to that contract that he's looking for. So what's your pivot then? 
Like, what's your pivot? Because, <clears throat> excuse me, you've got to rebuild your entire pitching staff. Absolutely. You've got a rotation that's pretty much empty. Your bullpen has not done the job that you've needed it to do. You literally got rid of Henesis Cabrera just because he didn't see eye-to-eye on what his role would be within the organization. Zach Thompson, he doesn't even know what the hell he's going to be in the future, whether it's a starter or a reliever. So what's your pivot then? If you're not going to bring, like, sign a guy or re-sign a guy or even bring him back in the offseason – you know, what are you thinking? Yeah, I, I would do a combination of trading for young arms that have options and use them out of the bullpen. And I would bring in guys that are on the scrap heap, so to speak, from the bullpen perspective and hope that they end up turning out well for you. Michael Fulmer last year signed for $4 million. He's been pretty solid this year for the Chicago Cubs. Pierce Johnson, he was just traded by the Colorado Rockies for a real return. He's a 32-year-old reliever. Last year, he signed a one-year, $5 million deal. Andrew Chafin, all of us were calling for the Cardinals to sign him last year. Lefty arm that's been really good his entire major league career. Jamie, he signed a one-year deal worth $6 million. I would just make a bunch of bets on bullpen arms on one-year deals. David Robertson, one-year deal this past offseason. Got a real return for the Mets a little while ago because he's been excellent for them. $10 bucks. If that goes south, it's a one-year contract. You move on from it either in season or after the season. But I would make a bunch of bets like that as opposed to locking myself in to three years of Jordan Hicks where I know that contract can go south for me. I just feel like the Cardinals screwed that up. I just feel, Maybe. honestly, I feel like we'll be same time next year talking about the same thing because of the scrap heap. They went and tried that route. They tried to, you know, find somebody on a reclamation year, and it's a one-year deal, and it won't hurt you. I get it. From the organization standpoint, I'm with you 100%. But from a standpoint of winning baseball, it's a bit of a roll of the dice for me that you could end up doing the same freaking thing you're doing now. But the problem is, Jamie, the same thing could be true. This is where we just get way overconfident in our evaluation of relievers in terms of the arms that we're talking about. The same thing could be true of Jordan Hicks. We could be talking at this point next year and we're saying to ourselves, oh my God, the Cardinals really locked themselves in if they decided to resign him to another massive long-term extension for a reliever because they saw six good months of ball out of him. This would actually be a more risky decision than when they signed Miller or when they signed Cecil because of Jordan Hicks's recent track record. He has been bad for the last couple of seasons and he has a real injury history. So I, I just, I honestly am having a hard time seeing the argument for Jordan Hicks being back on a multi-year extension. So I, I would trade him at the deadline for the best offer that you're able to get, but I would also be much more aggressive than what it appears that they're doing in general. I think you should be selling Tyler O'Neill for a bullpen arm. I would be willing to take that back in a return. A high upside bullpen arm the way that you did with some of these other guys in previous years where you were able to get Giovanni Gallegos and Genesis Cabrera because you traded off pieces that you didn't want anymore in your everyday lineup. I would look for the next guy that's in that ilk. So I would be more aggressive than they clearly are trying to be. Well, it's going to be interesting to see what John Mosellock and the Cardinals do, certainly between now and Tuesday. Uh, keep us on our toes, that's for sure. Uh, the Air Comfort Service text line is 314-399-9646. The Sports Six Pack coming up next. Get your questions in right now at 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. I have a question. 
question. It's time for the fast lane to answer your sports questions. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. I want to have them answered immediately. Asking me all these weird questions. Answer the question. Answer the question. Answer me. The sports six pack is refreshed by Maggie O'Brien's, your go-to Irish pub in St. Louis for over forty-two years. Welcome back inside the fast lane here on 101 ESPN. It's time for your sports six pack. Question number one. All right, gentlemen from the 618. Guys, if you could choose one team the Cardinals should trade with, who is it? This texter believes it should be the Braves. Well, um, yeah, I mean, I would trade with the Braves. I, I don't know what they've got available. I feel like they've locked up all of their young talent promising arms. They need pitching as well, so I can't imagine that they would be trading pitching. BK, I could be wrong. Yeah, I would trade with either the Mariners or the Twins. They're, those are two organizations right now that have a surplus on the pitching side and need some positional players. So those would be the two teams that I would be targeting because I think they fit up organizationally with what you have and what you need. Question number two. From the 636, guys, I saw Matthew Libertor was called up today. Do you think he should start tonight? Boy, oh boy. Um... Ooh, who was scheduled to start? It's Monty. Okay. Now, is it crazy for me to say I would have Michaelis pitch? He threw he 14 he pitches, was... BK. Yeah. I mean, there's so much. Starters, Jamie, you know this, having talked with BT on a regular basis. Pitchers are so routine-oriented that it could throw him off of that if you were to go out again oh today God. on a starter schedule. Come on. Um, I, these games don't matter anymore, and Montgomery is a piece that I'm trying to sell at the deadline. I would lock him into a a room somewhere until he is dealt. I would not throw Jordan Montgomery today. I know yesterday they used a bunch of their arms, but I would start Matthew Liberator tonight. That would wow. be my route. And then I would start him every fifth day from now until the end of the season. Yeah, I need to find out what Matthew Liberator can be. I couldn't agree more. I, I, I mean, 100%. I just don't know. With the arms being taxed the way they are and the possibility of Libertor being one or two innings in and everything just blows up, I, I think that if I if I didn't go with Michaelis, I, you don't have another option, though. You really don't. I mean, you got yep. Monty, but we don't want to pitch Monty. I don't want that arm, anything. I don't want to come back or off the knee. I don't want anything to happen to Monty right now. So, I mean, I guess Libertor would be the guy. Unless unless Michaelis last night communicated with Ollie because they both got tossed out of the game early. Huh. Uh, maybe he sat there and said, hey, look, at Ollie, uh, sorry to screw the, the pooch here uh, tonight with uh, 14 pitches. I'll be ready tomorrow. I mean, I but I haven't heard anything like that. Yeah, the, the positive is you've got Stratton, Romero, Geo, and Hicks all available coming out of the pin tonight, and you might have Palante. He pitched thirty; he threw thirty-seven pitches on Wednesday, so I don't know if he would be available tonight or not. But if he is, you've got a decent number of arms yeah. that could be available for you because of what Dakota Hudson was able to do in relief in terms of just eating those innings for you. I say we just pitch Suarez and watch his arm fall off. <laughs> he went down. He was the guy that went down. Oh, was he? He was the right. So he's oh, not okay. available anymore. Damn it. Mm -mm -mm. I wonder if they'll put a pitch count on Montgomery tonight. Don't they every night? 
I don't think so. <laughs> I, I wouldn't think they will. What else does he have to prove, though? Like, why? Why? I agree with what you're saying. Like, why even have him in this position? I don't know. It makes no sense. I mean, it would be the total to me, Cardinals luck for something bad to happen. Yeah, I mean, they're. Moe's going to be holding his breath with every pitch that Monty throws. And he just had that hamstring injury. What was that? A few weeks ago yep. now. Mm -hmm. um, they got lucky there that it wasn't more serious than it was. I, I just wouldn't throw him tonight. I think it's too much of a risk with almost zero reward. They would probably tell you, well, we're showcasing him. Man, nobody's trading for Jordan Montgomery because of what he does in this game tonight. No, no that, that means nothing tonight for sure. Ah, we'll find out. Question number three. We talked about Vladimir Tarasenko a few times throughout the show today, but from the 314, Jamie, the senator signed Vladdy for only $5 million. Isn't he worth more? No. In fact, I can't believe he got $5 million, to be honest. He's a $4 million player at best for me. We got to remember uh, that he, he didn't have a great year. I mean, he only scored eight goals in 31 games for the Rangers. Didn't have an abs didn't have a blowout year with the Blues. Now the year before he had a good year, his first time uh, eclipsing the 80 point mark, but that's not enough. I mean, he was making 7.5. He's a four million dollar player in today's market. Uh, he should be thrilled. He got five million out of the Ottawa Senators. I, I stand firm on that. I'm with you, Jamie. Um, it reminds me so much of the Mike Hoffman deal here in St. Louis, where you're buying low on an asset and you're hoping that he's able to reclaim the player that he once was. The difference, though, is at the time, Mike Hoffman was coming off of a pretty good year. You know, he had 30 goals in 70 games for mm -hmm. Florida the year before he signed here in St. Louis. So I, I'm pretty shocked he was able to end up getting $5 million. And I'm almost every bit as shocked that he was willing to go to Ottawa. Jamie. You bite your tongue, okay? Hey. Ottawa is Canada's capital. It's a beautiful city, and a lot of amazing people were born and raised there, BK. I'm sure they were. Do a lot of people stay there afterwards when they've got millions upon millions upon millions of dollars? You know what? There's a lot. There's a, at least three billionaires that, that live in <laughs> Ottawa. Screw you. <laughs> Question number four. From the... 636, do you guys think we see a player get pulled from the game either tonight or tomorrow to get an ovation due to a trade? No. Who's left? There's nobody. What, I mean, I guess if it's Nolan Arenado, but I I, I'm, I have no clue that he's going to get traded. Who else would be worthy of pulling out of a game for an ovation? Yeah, I mean... Like Newt Donovan, Newt Bar, <laughs> Gorman. Like these guys are all just so young. And I I don't know if you saw Jamie, but Katie Wu reported earlier today in the athletic that the Cardinals aren't looking to move any of them. Oh my god. So I I would be surprised. I mean, I does Jordan Hicks get an ovation of some kind? No. For, think so. for what? I mean for being He was a good closer for them. So being healthy for one season? Too. He's, he's a really good closer once upon a time, Jamie. No, no ovations. Yeah, I'm with you. Question number five. From the 618, did Sean Payton cross the line in his interview with the USA Today Sports? Ooh, I'm interested in your thoughts on this, Jamie. I uh a couple things. One, I I love I love that he's got the the Liberty Bells to just go out and say that in a nationally printed article that he knew full well that the world was going to see it. I, on the other hand, though, I, I don't necessarily think it was necessary to 
sewer the past head coach or the previous regime. I I don't know what the I don't know what the gain is by doing that. Maybe Sean Payton figures this is his last stop anyways as a head coach. He's not worried about burning bridges and doesn't really care about people's feelings. I just think he could have said what he said without actually, you know, throwing everybody under the bus. So the part that I was really surprised by is when he said that everybody that is still there, including his boss, the general manager, oh yeah, was culpable for what took place in Denver last year. Like, talking down to Hackett, the guy that was <laughs> fired and is now the OC in New York, like, that's one thing. He's gone. You don't have to worry about it. Whatever. Sully his reputation, and it does nothing to your organization. <laughs> talking down to the guy that is your boss... That is a little bit different. So that part surprised me. I will say this, Jamie. If I was to guess as to what he was trying to accomplish with those statements, it's very simple. Hey, Russ, you were never the problem. Mm -hmm. You're good to go, dude. Like, we're super in on Russell Wilson. Couldn't be more excited about who he's going to be. He was never the issue. It was the coaching that was the problem. And I'm here now to fix Russell Wilson. I think that was it. He's just trying to instill some confidence in his quarterback. But the way that he went about it, Oh boy, he sure garnered some headlines with that one. Yeah, so I'm with you. I thought the same thing. He's trying to make Russell Wilson feel better about himself and the fan base. Maybe tell them that, hey, don't worry, we've got a good quarterback here. I think he could have said it without dragging people's faces through the mud at the same time. But either way, I don't care. I'm here for any kind of conflict and drama in the NFL. I'm here for it. All right, Marshall, what did we get to on that? Four? Five? All right, that was your sports five-pack. Uh, this is always one of the best times of the week. We got our guy Matt Holiday coming up next here in the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Now batting for the Fast Lane, Cardinals Hall of Famer and fifth member Matt Holiday. We're hanging with Holiday on 101 ESPN. Powered by Air Alliance Team Heating and Cooling. Getting the job done quickly, correctly, 100% of the time. It's a fast lane here on 101 ESPN. It's that time of the week again. We head out to the celebrity line and bring in our guy, Matt Holiday. Matt, how are we doing, bud? What's up, fellas? Uh, not much. It's myself and BK here today, although we did have a Brad Thompson sighting in the studio oh. for an hour today. Wow. Was he lost? What happened? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> there must have been chores to do around the house, and he tried to get out of it. Uh, makes sense. Yeah. All right. You're the guy i actually been dying to talk to about this. I talked to B, BT a little bit about it, but, you know, he gives me the pitcher's perspective. <laughs> yeah. But last night, uh, I'm sure you saw Miles yeah. Michaelis and Contreras get you know hit in the head with the, the, the follow-through or whatnot. So a couple things here. One, I'm all for conflict. I'm fine with that. I'm I'm fine with pitchers, you know, going after the batter, the batter charging the mound, whatever you want. It's exciting for me. I just mm-hmm. didn't understand the retribution. You know, Hap clearly, it was an accident hitting Contreras. They kind of bro it out. They hug it out, and everything's fine. And then Michaelis doubles down on the inside mm-hmm. pitches till he hits Hap. I didn't understand the retribution. Yeah, I mean, I think. We have to probably, I mean, does this happen a lot? Like, is, is this something that ha- does a lot? Like, is this carelessness? 
because if this is just a one-time accident where, you know, he, he swung a miss and kind of whirly birded around and hit the catcher. And obviously, you know, Contreras had to come out of the game. So that adds, you know, a little bit more of the drama to it uh, as far as, you know, the pitcher getting pissed or whatever. Um, but I, I, I don't know of the history of him if he, if he does this a lot. But I think at some point maybe guys get tired of seeing the same guy do the same thing and hitting catchers in the backswing. And um, so – I think that's one fact to consider, at least one factor to, to at least think about. But secondly, like you said, I mean, I think um, you take a shot and you miss. To me, usually that's your shot. And, and, that's, and then that sends the message like, hey, um, you know, that's, that's not cool. You knocked our catcher out of the game, whatever. Um, he missed him, and that's on the pitcher for not hitting him. Um, so I, I do think when you go back and you double down and you hit him, that you are going to get kicked out of the game because I think that the umpires traditionally without um, warning, they give you one shot. But when you, when you go back in there and hit him again, or you hit him, you know, on the second try, uh, I don't think that you give him much, much option, but to, to throw you out in the first inning. And then that kind of leaves your, your team, uh, you know, a little bit out to dry without, you know, you gotta, you gotta have nine innings of, of relief. So um, I, I, I'm, I'm with you, Jamie, and that if, you know, that's a one-time thing. And, and, you know, like you said, they kind of hugged it out or whatever. And, and you want to take a shot and send a message and say, Hey, you, you hit our catcher. But um, I thought when you go back in there the second time, that's what you get. You get, you get nine innings of relief. You kind of stick it to your, your bullpen mates a little bit by trying to defend your catcher. Matt, I wanted to ask you about a mindset of a player around this time of the year. Earlier this week, Jack Flaherty talked about how for the first time in his Cardinals career, he got a little distracted in the final inning as he was out there because he finally thought about what it was going to be like to pitch in a Cardinals uniform for the last time. And Montgomery has not been in a Cardinals uniform as long, but he has a chance to have that same experience this evening as well. What is that like as a player the week of the trade deadline? Well, it's unsettling. I mean, it's it's definitely unsettling. Where, um, particularly when when you're going to be a free agent, um, like the guys you're talking about, um, and typically with the Cardinals, this is not not really a, you know something. If you're you know, it's not really something you have to worry about because you're usually in the middle of the hunt. And, and yeah, you can get traded for, um, you know, you can get traded, you know, and 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 brought in other pieces. But um, this is a interesting scenario, I guess. You know, because the Cardinals are kind of selling. Um, for the first time in, in many years, but um, it's it can be a little bit it can be a little bit um, nerve wracking, I guess, and, and kind of wondering what's going to happen. And you start to read you know rumors, and you, you read stuff on the internet, and you, you might be going here, you might be going there, and um, you're trying to get inside information. I'm sure they have their agents reaching out and trying to figure out and see if they can figure out what's going on. Um, nowadays, you know, a lot of guys just find out on Twitter, you know, I mean, it seems like, um, you know, the, the reporters seem to get a hold of these things as, just as fast, if not faster than the players. So, um, it's a, it's definitely a, a bit of a stressful time, but it's part of it. You know, it's part of If you, if you wait and you're going to be a free agent and, and you've earned the right to be a free agent, um, this sort of comes with the territory of, of being this close to free agency on a team that's, um, you know, kind of, kind of out of it. And so this is this kind of comes with it. It sounds like they've made a little late run at Jack Flaherty, maybe that, that try to re-sign him or, um, you know, and even maybe Montgomery. But 
Um, it is an interesting time. I, I think fans are, are interested to see, you know, what you get in return for some of these guys. And, and uh, I like it. I mean, I'm, I'm interested. I, I, you know, I'm checking my phone to see, if, you know, what trades are made. It seems like there's a lot of good players that are on the market. Matt, you talked about rumors swirling around and, and things like that. We see it all the time. And you, you just talked about, you know, pending free agents that you're going to lose. You're trying to make sure you get something for them. There was a massive rumor yesterday surrounding Nolan Arenado and the Dodgers. And, you know, some of it was very loosely written. Some of it, you know, people claim that there's there's meat on the bone for it. But if you're a guy like Nolan Arenado, and you were this type of player, you know, you're a great player in a situation that is not ideal right now. The team is not where you wanted it to be, and you have an opportunity to go to a contender. Is that something that you think is on Arenado's mind, or do you think he's just locked in to be here in St. Louis? Well, I think he, I think he made a pretty, you know, direct commitment when he didn't opt out this off season, I, I think that he, he, by, by staying in the contract and saying, this is where I want to be. I mean, I think he said all along, he loves it in St. Louis. He loves playing there. Um, and he loves, you know, living there in, in the season. And, and I, I think he's very, very much committed to the St. Louis Cardinals. Um, I, I think you have to, I don't think they're that far off. And so I, I think keeping, you've got to keep him. I don't, I don't see any, any reason or, or, you know, really, I, I don't think it, it's, it makes sense to trade him when you can, when you have a nice nucleus to build around moving next forward to next year. Um, so I, it, it, to me, Jamie, it, it doesn't make any sense. Um, he's shown his loyalty. He could have opted out and gotten more money this offseason, but he didn't. Um, he wants to be there. Uh, he's a tremendous player. Uh, he's a great guy for young players to look up to with work ethic and how he plays the game. So it, it doesn't – I mean, obviously people are going to throw things around. I'm sure the Dodgers um, maybe kick the tires and say, hey, he's a, he's a California kid. Maybe, you know, he wants to come home and finish his career here or, or something like that. Maybe they made a call. But um, I don't know any inside information. But my guess is, is that Mo um, probably told them in pretty quick order that, that, that they're not interested in moving Nolan at this time. Yeah, I said basically if they called Mo that he's just hung up immediately following the question – but yeah. uh, look, I th- I think it's a, it's an interesting situation, and just you know, from an athlete standpoint, like Nolan Arenado, do the rumors like that do they bother you when they start swirling? Especially if you know they're not true, or especially if you know in the bottom line, like hey, I want to be a Cardinal, but then you see all this stuff come out. How mm-hmm. does that how does that work? How do you feel with that happening? I think it's you know when you have the inside information like. Um, you know, I'm sure that maybe he and Mo had a conversation. And um, when you have the inside information, it's almost laughable. You know, when you when you read this stuff, some of it, uh, when you know as the player and you, and you, you, you actually know what's going on, um, and then you have some of these writers speculating or guessing, um, it's almost laughable. It's nothing – I don't think guys get too worked up about it, um, especially if, you, if you're in direct contact and you have good communication with the GM and, and, uh, and your agent about what's really happening. Um, so I, I, don't, I don't think a player of Nolan's status with the no-trade clause like, has anything to worry about. It really pays much mind to it. All right, Matt, final question that I've got for you. I wanted to ask you about the other Nolan because Gorman's been incredible so far this season. He's 23 years old, and he's now on pace to finish the season with 35 home runs and 100 RBIs. 
the only other guy to do it at his age in a Cardinals uniform in the history of this franchise is Albert Pujols. What are we watching right now with Nolan Gorman and the production that we're seeing from such a young player? Well, I think it's exciting. Just like we just talked about, about building, having pillars to build around moving to next year. I mean, I, I think that while this season has been, has been bad, I don't think, you know, it's going to be a complete dumpster fire. I mean, I, I think that there's, there's some things to be excited about. When you think about Nolan Gorman at 23 and Jordan Walker at 21 um, to go along with, with Arenado and, and Goldie, and um, there's, there's some things to be excited about. I mean, I think, when you talk about Nolan Gorman and, and the improvement that he's made from last year to this year, from age 22 to 23, I think you can get excited and dream about, you know, the, the next couple steps. Traditionally, you know, the, the peak years are more in the, the 26, 27, 28, you know, sort of age in, in Major League Baseball where they really sort of hit their, their peak and, and their stride and, and what they can become. So um, dreaming on him being a 40, 40 homer, uh, hitter with with 100 RBIs and, and you know even if he hit 260 270 um, you're talking about you know a, a, a perennial All Star um, and then somebody that that you can you sort of write in ten in the middle of your order for the next ten years so um, it's it's exciting to to see and and like I said I think the excite most exciting part is is the improvement he made from last year to this year and it tells me that that uh, you know he learns and and can get even better. Well, buddy, this time next week when we have you on, uh, we'll probably have quite a few things to discuss. So it should be interesting trade deadline for the Cardinals. But as always, buddy, we appreciate your time coming on here. And have yourself a great weekend. Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. It was uh, good talking to you. I'm looking forward to seeing what the, the deadline holds. All right, buddy. Thanks a lot, man. Have a good one. Okay. See you guys. All right, that was Matt Holiday, Cardinals Hall of Famer, that just joined us. Had some great things to say. Uh, We're going to follow up right away with Kylie McDaniel, who's coming up next, ESPN Baseball Insider, here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Fastlane here on 101 ESPN. We head out now to the Celebrity Line to be joined by Kylie McDaniel, ESPN Baseball Insider. You can follow him at Twitter at KylieMCD. Right there, that's his uh, profile name. And we got, uh, by the way, Kylie, we got uh, someone I think you know joining the show as well. BK from the BK and Ferrario shows. Uh, He's in from the bullpen with us today. (laughs) Uh, always glad to be on the celebrity line, and I'm actually in the middle of updating my giant spreadsheet of prospects right now. So you caught me right in the middle of being in my bag. Well, that's kind of perfect then, because we're, tr- we're going to definitely be kicking the tires on the prospects. But the first thing I wanted to kind of get out in the open here is these rumors of Nolan Arenado being in a trade to the Dodgers. Now, here in Cardinal Nation, I don't know if you know this, people are a little crazy when it comes to baseball. And... uh Nolan Arenado possibly being traded has people uh, quite heated. And I'm just wondering if you're hearing anything out there that would, you know, back up the rumors, or do you think it's just that right there is just a rumor? Yeah, I, uh, I, w- I would say our, uh, our staff, we've been on a big um, text chain with all the various reporters and Jeff Pass and the editors, all those people. And we had been talking about that being a thing that was being sort of, 
I'll say bandied about, but like sort of very surface level conversations checking in for a little while. So this isn't like totally new news, although I think it has been new that it has been reported because it didn't seem like it had risen to the level of being reported. Like there's a lot of calls that get made and then like, ah, that doesn't sound like a fit. And then we hear about it. And it's like, well, that's not really reportable. Obviously, some people don't feel that way and feel like that level of conversation is worth reporting on. But like teams are making that conversation, having that level of conversation on dozens and dozens of guys at this time of year. And it's not really news. Uh, I will say there are some people in the industry that think that this could accelerate, that they sort of see a fit. These are, you know, one of the other 28 teams looking from the outside, like, oh, the Dodgers want to make a splash. I could see Arenado being a fit. Like, you know, you can sort of see that coming together, but nobody has any actual information to say that they're even to the point of, like, exchanging names or figuring out what the financials would be or that kind of thing. It's more of like, we're touching base. There's a perception that Arenado would be open to waiving his no-trade to go there, they'd be looking to add a bat. Uh, you know, St. Louis seems like they're selling. Like, everything sort of lines up to where the conversation makes sense, but it's just smoke and no fire at this point. If you were in charge of the Cardinals, Kylie, would you trade or entertain the idea of trading Goldie Arenado? Probably not, just because you get into this problem where the idea of when you're building up a team, like, if, if we're, if we're going to say this is like a multi-year teardown, which I don't think it is, but let's just say that it is, you'd then be building it up to hopefully find a player like that, and you have two of them right now. So what would really be the point of, of getting rid of them to then turn around and try to find them again at some point later, whether it's internally or, or you know, trade for them from the outside? Um, so I would say no. Also, the fact that this is a you know bigger market team that's competitive every year and has been that way for my entire lifetime. Uh, it just doesn't seem like they would want to do that, much less would that actually be a good idea. This seems like, a, you know, to me from the outside, the expectations coming into the year, which you, know, you guys can tell me if I'm wrong, was that they'd be a playoff team in contention, and they're not. And I don't think the outlook next year with, like, the top of the farm system being good, a lot of these players having down seasons, like, I don't think they're going to be bad next year. So it just seems like one of these years where you kind of punt this season, but then the expectation is you'll be competitive again next year. So I don't really know what that would be solving. Yeah, Kylie, uh, trust me, the expectation here in Cardinal Nation was absolutely to make the playoffs for one thing, and I think the fans here were foaming at the mouth to do something bigger than that based upon you know the offense that this team had in spring training. So it has been less than satisfying for the fan base. But now at the trade deadline, you know John Mozeliak, he's in a situation that he really hasn't been in yet here in St. Louis to where it's definitely a losing season and he absolutely has to move on from some pieces and go acquire pitching. Like the highlight here is just it's pitching that he has to acquire, but you know it's a bit of a gamble because you're not necessarily going to get the certainty of you know a starter that's been in the league for four or five years, and you're like, okay, we're going to go get that guy. A lot of talk is looking to find prospects that can project to be a three or a four or a two. If you were the Cardinals right now, what team out there across the league has the biggest pool of prospects in the pitching department? So there would be two, and one you're not going to like, one's the Dodgers. Uh, they... There's been, there's been some talk that their double-A rotation, which I think has since been broken up. I think some of the guys got uh, promoted. But they had five starters and I think two relievers that were all uh, collectively their average velocity. And they projected starters, not just guys that they're really hard. Their average velocity was better than like five big league rotations. Wow. <laughs> uh, and they're all like top 200, 250 prospects. And there are two guys in the bullpen that are like real prospects as well. So they have that sitting in double-A in addition to the sort of Gavin Stone. They just traded Nestrini um, to the White Sox. Uh, they had a number of guys, Pepio, some of those guys kind of hanging around the periphery of the big leagues, and obviously they have some guys in the big leagues. 
Um, I mean, St. Louis is in a unique situation, right? I think coming into the year, the question was, is there that frontline guy in the rotation? And now three-fifths of the rotation and the closer are set to become free agents. So you really got to plug in some guys. And I think the thought, looking at the top of the, I, I want to say I was on uh, the show or another one at, like, coming into the year, where the idea was, well, you got Zach Thompson and you got Libertor and you got Tank Hens on the way and you got Graceffo. Um, you got enough names like, you know, Jerpy, McGreevy, uh, Bryson Motts, could like all these guys sort of fill in those holes naturally. And now it looks like, you know, maybe one or two of them will, but you can't count on the ro- the rotation having all three of those spots filled by internal options and then lasting the entire season. So, again, if that Arenado deal or some other deal with the Dodgers is available, I've been told or the sort of buzz is that Gavin Stone, a guy that is a top 100 player with a plus-plus changeup that could be a rotation guy next year, has been sort of bandied about as like the big name they'd be willing to deal on a big deal. So that would be one name you can gravitate to. And I would say the other one is Seattle, where they have four uh, mid-20 guys in the rotation right now. And the buzz was they'd be willing to trade one of them. So that would be Logan Gilbert, Bryce Miller, Brian Wu, and George Kirby, that they'd be willing to trade one of them if they could get a comparable bat. So that's another thing where I would say St. Louis has maybe a couple too many bats, especially on the young side, where they could afford to trade one of them. Uh, it sounds like they've been exploring that, but not really getting close on stuff. I think Seattle would be open to moving one of those guys. Obviously, Kirby and Gilbert would be the most expensive of the two because they're the best of the, currently as well. But those are the two teams that seem to have pitching and are looking to add bats, which I think would be nice fits. Nobody in St. Louis likes it when I talk about this, Kylie, and I get it because this guy that I'm about to mention is a very good young player. He's on pace for 35 home runs and 100 IBIs. You don't trade that guy unless, of course, you are desperate for pitching. So Nolan Gorman uh, is a second baseman for the Cardinals, but probably best serves as a third baseman for somebody. If the Cardinals were to make him available, for example, with the Mariners, what kind of pitching do you think that would net in return? I think that's the kind of name that Seattle would be looking for for Gilbert or Kirby. Um, so I think you could sort of pick one of those four guys and might be able to get more because when you're talking about, I think it would be four and a half years of control of Gorman for, I believe, three and a half of a pitcher. Usually you take hitter over pitcher. Gorman's a guy that's had you know pedigree going back to when he's 16, 17. These other guys uh, haven't all been sort of slam dunk guys for a while. So I think Gorman would, would certainly pry one of those guys loose. And if you were looking, you know, more in the, you know, Burleson, Carlson, like that tier of guy, then you're looking at more good prospect, maybe on the Libertor level of prospect that like can probably be a big league option for next season, but also you're not positive and, you know, it's kind of a little bit of wait and see and you hope you're solving a problem, but you're not positive you're solving a problem. Um, I think that's like sort of the other route you could go if you want to go into guys that aren't necessarily playing every day right now and see if that can solve the issue, which I, I would say it probably can't. But I would also say when all of these pitchers, I think Tink Hens being the best of the group, come up, I think eventually you'll have that answer. But obviously this is not a market where you could just sort of sit there for another year and wait for these guys to show up. You need some sort of short-term answers as well. Would you trade Gorman for one of those pitchers? Uh, that would certainly seem to balance things out a little bit more in terms of who are your, you know, how many guys do you have on a playoff lineup and how many guys do you have that would be in a playoff rotation? Uh, I would have to delve a little deeper into that to see if there was like a better way to do it. But if, if, that, if you're telling me that's the only way to do it or that's the best way to do it, uh, I think that's certainly worth thinking about. If, if you offer me these, those two guys in a vacuum, I would take Gorman. So I'd like to think there's a better way to do it than that. Kylie, one guy that uh, we thought for sure would probably find his way uh, out of here at the trade deadline was Tyler O'Neill. Uh, John Mosellock and the Cardinals you know, be rumored that they're saying, you know, not so fast. We don't know if we get the return that we want for Tyler O'Neill. What's just your personal opinion? A guy like Tyler O'Neill, who's had a lot of injury problems over the last, you know, handful of years, 
you know, what would his value be on the market? And is the best decision for him to just stay here in St. Louis? That's a good question. Uh, I think he's a free agent after next year, so he'd be getting a year and a half of a guy that certainly shows the potential to be an impact guy, but it's been real hit and miss. I guess there's really been one season where he's giving you the whole thing. Um, so that would probably – usually what happens in that situation is you're sort of clearing out a spot on the big league roster. You take a prospect that won't need to be added to the 40-man for a year or two, you know, a, a non-top 100, but like the tier behind a top 100 prospect – um, you know, double A on a team, you know, like Tampa that like collects a bunch of guys like this and tries to put them in roles, maybe six of some guys that aren't quite together, change of scenery, that sort of guy. So it wouldn't be a guy you'd necessarily get excited about right away. It would be uh, more than a year and a half of a guy that may not do anything. So we can't give you too much. Um, that would be kind of what you're talking about. So I, I would imagine that would be the hesitation is we got a guy that could help us right now versus a guy that, you know, we get for him. We probably wouldn't be helping us right now. Well, I'll tell you what, it's going to be interesting here in Cardinal Nation over the next handful of days as John Mozeliak and the team approach a trade deadline. And I know, buddy, that you're going to be really busy as well diving into all this stuff. So good luck with all your work over there at ESPN. Uh, Hopefully uh, you guys have a good time and hopefully get some sleep when this trade deadline passes. Uh, Just had some coffee moments ago, and I'll be on our uh, trade deadline show, the two hours leading up to the deadline uh, on ESPN. I'll be be sitting at the little kids' area uh, waiting for them to come over when they trade a prospect. (laughs) They get for a loss of words, and they point to me, and I start talking. (laughs) Awesome, buddy. Well, enjoy that as much as you can, and our listeners can give you a follow at Twitter at KylieMCD is your screen name. So, Kylie, take care, buddy. Thank you so much for joining us today. Yep, thanks for having me. All right, that was Kylie McDaniel from ESPN. He's baseball insider. A lot of interesting stuff there, BK. I think uh, I want to dive into that on the other side a little bit here. We've also got today's biggest question of the day, as well as Beat the Streak coming up on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Time for the Fast Lane's biggest question of the day. It's a Fast Lane here on ESPN, and we are t- time for the biggest question of the day. But also, we need a new contestant for Beat the Streak. So please text in to the Air Comfort Service text line 314 399 uh, text in, be the next one for Beat the Streak. Uh, biggest question of the day. Marshy, what do you got? Yeah, so Katie Wu just tweeted out about eight minutes ago, and you can listen to her on BK and Ferrario. Of course, we have our guy BK helping us out today while Anthony Stalter is gone. And, of course, we did have Alex Ferrario as well with the first two hours. But, anyways, Katie Wu tweeted out, Ali Marmel, one game, and Miles Michaelis, five games. They've both been suspended by Major League Baseball due to last night's events. Marmel will serve his tonight. Michaelis is appealing. Joe McEwing manages tonight. So I wanted to ask you guys, what are your initial thoughts on the suspension of Miles Michaelis and Ali Marmel? I think this is an absolute joke. I couldn't believe either guy got thrown out of the game last night. If if you're going to throw a guy out of the game, Michaelis you know what? You earned it. You pitched inside twice. You tried. You missed. And then you were successful. Uh, it's pretty much a, a tell that you were doing it on purpose. So you boot Michaelis. N- n- no harm, no foul. And even if Ollie got out there and was heated and said some things he didn't like, okay, fine. You boot Ollie. Get him. Try to take the temperature down a little bit here. And both of those guys are a suspension? 
For what? He hit him right in the fat of the butt cheek. Hap didn't even charge the mound. It didn't cause any other extracurriculars. BK, I am absolutely puzzled as to what Major League Baseball is doing here. So the thing I don't understand about this, Jamie, is I think everybody has the same opinion. I was talking about this with Alex and Tanner before the show today, because I was like, what, what do we even say about this? Because everybody, I think, has the same opinion on it. I don't think there's a zig to the zag. They should have just issued warnings after the first pitch inside. And then all of this is cleared up. Because if you issue the warning there, and Michaelis still hits him, everybody agrees then, okay, yeah, you gotta boot him. Like, of course, that is how that works. But they didn't issue the warning there. And when they don't, and then he throws inside and hits him the second time around, then you decide, okay, willy-nilly, let's go ahead and throw him out. And that causes Ollie to lose his mind. That causes the uh, Cubs dugout to do whatever it was that they were doing the laughing and whatnot and then you've got flarity getting into it and then you've got the cardinals dugout going after him like that's what actually raised the heat the temperature yesterday at the game all they had to do was just issue the warnings after the first pitch inside and that would have cooled everything down i the michaelis thing like whatever he shouldn't have pitched inside the second time around and even if you like don't have any issue with him doing it and i really don't he was always going to get thrown out at that point five games seems like a lot but then you think about it it's really one start and they could even push him back like he's gonna be fine um the i, I don't understand the ollie part of this why is ollie suspended <laughs> well, like, somebody explain to me what exactly it was that ollie did oh he gave the signal bk he clearly gave the signal pitch inside twice make sure you hit him it's stupid. It's just that's the part that's weird to me. I just don't understand why Ollie's getting suspended in this. It's stupid. I don't get it at all. I have no idea why Major League Baseball is sticking their nose into something that they just don't have to. And to your point, Michaelis, okay, fine. He's the one who committed the act. If you want to try and send a message, all right, so be it. But Ollie, poor Ollie was just getting settled into his spot there at the top of the dugout, and he had to come running out, and now he's being suspended for this crap? I don't know. I don't see it at all. I, I think it's a, a foolish suspension. I don't know. Seems stupid. <laughs> all right, Marshall, we got to beat the streak contestant? We certainly do. Baseballs. All of my successes depend on me. You ready to hit? The hits just keep on coming. And in his first big league hit is a bullet up the middle. We have Andrew joining us today. Very easy name to remember for me. So Andrew is our new Beat the Street contestant. All right, Andrew, how you doing, bud? I'm doing good, guys. How are you? Good, man. Good. All right. So I'm sure you know how this works, but we'll remind you anyways, is you just pick a hitter on either team to get a hit tonight. That's it. And if you get a hit, you keep going until you have a guy that doesn't get a hit. And then obviously we have to wave goodbye to you at that point, buddy. I'm sorry about that. All right. That sounds good. Marcy, what's the standings? Who goes first? All right. So... Jamie, you have a streak of two. Yeah. You are currently in the lead. Stalter had Paul Goldschmidt last night. Unfortunately for Stalter and for Paul Goldschmidt, he didn't get a hit, so his streak is over. I had Jan Gomes. I'm at one right now. And, of course, we have Andrew, who is at zero because he's a new contestant. But we also have BK yeah. who will be filling in for Anthony today. So, Jamie, you have the honors. I'll go next. Then we'll have Andrew, and then BK, your last. 
All right, here we go. So I got Gorman to hit a home run today, uh, but I think my hit is going to be Paul Goldschmidt. He didn't get a hit yesterday. Goldie usually gets pissed off, has a bad sleep, gets to the stadium the next day, batting practice, video, push-ups, sit-ups, raw eggs, all that stuff. I'm going with Paul Goldschmidt. I think today, man... I'm looking at Jan Gomes again, but oh I don't my. know if I can go with him. He's my guy in the Cubs, which sounds horrible to say. You have a Cubs guy? No. That's disgusting. No, I don't like saying that. However, he is batting 412 against Jordan Montgomery. Give me Jan Gomes again. Oh my God. Cool. All right, Jan Gomes. Next, we got Andrew. Andrew, who you got today? Uh, let's go with the other Andrew. His daddy. Oh, he hit a monster shot yesterday. I like it. All right, Andrew's got Kisner. BK, subbing in for Anthony Stalter. What do you think of him, man? Yeah, so let's go with Wilson Contreras. He's played eight games against the Cubs so far this season. He has a hit in seven of those eight games so far this year. I'm going to go with Wilson Contreras as my beat the streak contestant today. All right, so to recap, uh, I've got Paul Goldschmidt. Marshy's got Jan Gomes. Andrew picked the Kiz Daddy, Andrew Kisner, and BK slash Anthony Stalter picked Wilson Contreras. All right, guys, that's Beat the Streak here in the Fast Lane. Andrew, good luck, buddy. Hopefully, we're talking to you on Monday. Sounds good, guys. You guys have a good weekend. All right, thanks. You too. All right, we're getting ready to wrap things up here in the fast lane. We'll have a fade or follow. So we need a do we need a fade or follow contestant? We do. So please text in Air Comfort Service text line 314-399-9646. Fade or follow coming up. Also, what you missed, criticisms and compliments on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It's time for FanDuel Fade or Follow on the Fast Lane. Brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Make every moment more. Everyone follow us. I'll fade, I'll fade. Money, 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 money. Fast Lane here on 101 ESPN. It is Friday, which means it's time for Fade or Follow. We head out to the phone lines, and we've got a contestant on here. We got Dave. Dave, how you doing, bud? Doing good, guys. How are you guys doing? I'm headed down to the ball game. Nice, nice. It looks like a beautiful night for it too. Hopefully, you bring home a winner for us. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So the guys and I got together here, and we found one that we like. And now you'll either fade us or follow us on this pick. Our pick, okay, is uh, they've got. FanDuel has Jordan Montgomery at four and a half strikeouts tonight. Team Fastlane has decided that we are going to go with the under on that. So it's up to you now, Dave. Fade or follow? I'm going to follow. All right. Dave's in. He's on Team Fastlane here today. And what that means is Jordan Montgomery, for our listeners who maybe aren't familiar, he's got a strikeout five for the over, and he's got a strikeout four or less for the under. We picked the under. So that's our play. That's minus 108 today on FanDuel Sportsbook. Dave, good luck, my man. Enjoy the ball game. Thanks, Jamie. Have a great night. Thank you. You too. All right, Marshy. It's uh, 
What, what we had a lot of things going on today, didn't we? We had we Chris did. Kerber that joined us. Um, we had Matt Holiday that joined us. We had Kylie McDaniel join us. We had Levi Weaver Weaver join us. So many great things to talk about. We had Alex Ferrario in house. We had BT in studio today. And we had our guy BK join us for the last two hours of the show. My God, other than that. Woo! Wow. It was an <laughs> exhausting day. A lot of fun, though. We had a lot of fun here in the fast lane. What do you got for us? Criticisms, compliments. All right, let's start from the 314 and join the show. Does Jamie have a stopwatch running on the segments like a hockey coach? No sloppy line changes That's today. That's right. It's, all, it's, it's in the details, quite honestly. That's what it is. And... Uh, you know, I'm a details guy, and I'm looking at the clock, making sure I stay on here. I don't want to piss people off. You know, I mean, Me too. BK, that's what you know I do how that too, works, Jamie. right? <laughs> yeah, that's what I do, too. I'm all about working with the clock. I, I am about timeliness and making sure that we get in and out of segments in a very, very clean manner. I love the fact that the, we have Tim McKernan and then you, like back-to-back, the yep. clock is all over the place for you guys. I love it. Listen, man, I have always had a very specific philosophy philosophy when it comes to the clock. If we are having a good conversation and it goes a little bit over, so be it, man. Uh, that being said, some of the bosses don't love that. So I've been trying to do a little better. I've been doing my best to do better with that. And uh, we're trying to cut off the conversations in a timely manner now. Yeah, no, you're right. I mean, sometimes you get in those great conversations and it feels stupid to break from it and jump to another subject yeah. that maybe has nothing to do with it. So either way, thank you. I guess that was a compliment or <laughs> all right. We got a uh, text from the 636 about our, uh, you know, the beat the streak with BK being on for the first time, filling in for Stalter and beat the streak. The 636 wanted you to pick a cub. I don't know why. What? They would want you to do that, and I don't know who would ever pick a cup. Oh, I know why. I know why. I'll take a stab at this. I think they're talking about a BKO on this one. Oh. Ooh. And they want you to reverse BKO going. You guys know it only works if I believe it. I know. I know. If you fake it, it just does not work. Yeah, I believed in this pitching staff more than just about anybody coming into 2023. So uh, that worked. Me mm. picking a cub to get a hit tonight would not, unfortunately. That's Thank the way this thing operates. Thanks, BK. We got a <laughs> compliment from Swan. Swan, thank you for listening, participating in the show. Great show today, guys. Yesterday's game was certainly an interesting one. Hopefully some moves towards the deadline get going. I'm hopeful we can get some young pitching. The Mariners guys are who stand out the most to me, but you also have to give up the most there. But to get something of substance, you got to give up something of substance, right? Marshy, Jamie, and BK, have a great weekend, guys. Oh, thank you, Swan. He's an avid listener and a participant. Tweets at us all the time. He's on the text line. So, Swan, have yourself a great weekend. BK, the one thing that, uh, you know, was that I take home from Kylie McDaniel was that you're going to have to give to get, and the Mariners have – you know, quite a, a selection of pitchers that could potentially be available. But, man, a guy like Nolan Gorman, that would sting. 
it would suck. Like, the, the problem is that you're in this position to begin with, right, Jamie? Like, you, you, you shouldn't be in a spot where you're even considering giving up, like I said earlier today with Matt Holliday, a guy that is on pace to become the only 35 home run, 100 RBI player at his age in the history of the Cardinals uniform not named Albert Pools. It's Nolan Gorman, potentially, and Albert that have done what I'm talking about there. And you might have to give him up because you are so light on pitching. You have failed so tremendously at acquiring and developing the pitching that you need that you got to give up that dude to get a pitcher who can uh, slot into the front end of your rotation. Logan Gilbert's that guy, though. If you could get Logan Gilbert for a guy like Nolan Gorman, I would not want to do it. But I could see how the Cardinals would talk themselves into for this specific team with the construction that they have, it making sense for them. Do you think John Mosellock gets a little gun shy with this? Because sure. Nolan Gorman has the makings of being everything, if not even more, than Randy Arozarena. And even though you would acquire a really good pitcher in return, it seems less sexy to a fan base when you got just a, a really good pitcher. Yeah, I'm, it, not only is it less sexy, it's less valuable. Like the everyday position player, I will take 100 times out of 100 in general. Unfortunately, the Cardinals have so many of them that you can't play them every day. And this is where it gets into, Jamie, the conversation of like, if you're not trading Donovan, which they don't appear to be willing to do, you're not trading Newtbar, you're not trading Edmund, you're not trading Goldie, you're not trading Arenado. Okay, then how are we helping this pitching staff? The one guy that I have not heard from any of the reports that is a legit untouchable for the Cardinals, whether you agree or not, is Nolan Gorman. So that's where you could potentially talk yourself into him being the piece that you end up moving on from. But what you're moving on from is basically Kyle Schwarber with a better batting average. So have fun. We got a text from the 314. Evening BK is lovely. Oh, hey. wow. wow. Here we go. Wow. Maybe midday BK is the problem. I'm not sure. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think anytime BK is a little bit of an issue, but I appreciate the kind words there, sir or madam. Uh, BK, quick question for me. How are you able to escape being a dad right now you're you've able to get on the air with us for two hours i figured when you get home after work that kara's just sitting there and like hands you the baby and walks out <laughs> well uh two things one i have a lovely wife kara who has been tremendous with baby luca and two her mom is helping us out right now um so nice. his grandmother and his mother are both saints and that is how i was able to step away to hang out with you schmucks for the last two hours awesome i appreciate the name calling we got a text from the 314. Actually, uh, a few texts here, but from the same listener. Seriously, show never lets me down. 11 out of 10. And I beat Jamie to the bourbon today. Rare occurrence. LOL. Well, I'm on the air. That's not fair. I don't think that that's an official victory. I'm jealous, and I'm angry about it, actually, at this point. Uh, I've got a, a couple of good bourbons on the way. I managed to have someone find me a nice bottle of Blanton's, BK. Nice. Yeah. Nice. For for Luca's birthday, I, I was able to find some Old Forester birthday bourbon. That's what I was able to pull out for, for his birthday. So we've been kind of sipping on that a little bit lately. It's nice. Can't go wrong with that. That's for sure. Guys, last one here. It could be a very important one, depending on how Jamie wants to play this. Uh-oh. From the 314, loving the Jamie sign-offs at commercial break. Mm. Interested to see what he says for the final one outside of the Stalter. See ya. Interesting. I didn't realize I was doing anything unique with the sign-offs. Um, 
I'm just trying to get out of segments properly without stumbling all over myself. But uh, <laughs> all right, I'll take the compliment. Now the pressure's on. So I guess we'll see in, in about a minute here what the hell I come up with in this brain of mine because you, you never know, BK. <laughs> I, I think what they're talking about is your teases going into break. They've kept everybody oh, around yeah. going into the next segment. Oh, yeah, I'm one hell of a teaser. All right, if you missed anything today, download the podcast, 101ESPN.com or 101ESPN, the mobile app. All of that brought to you by Dobbs Tyrant Auto. Oh. I want to thank my guy BK for jumping on here today. Thank you very much. I want to thank Alex Ferrario for jumping in. I want to thank Brad Thompson, BT, for all his work today for that first hour. I want to thank Grant Francis, who did a great job today. My guy Marshy, who was unbelievable on the dials today. Cardinals, Cubs tonight. St. Louis, have a good weekend. Smell you later. You've been listening to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.